The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. I'm grimacing because it was such an opportunity. Possession-wise, I thought they were good, but they didn't have the cutting edge and they don't have Sam Kerr. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. makes the underlapping run now but Smallbone continues gives it out to Darty, puts the cross in towards the back post oh. over the goalkeeper played in no. by Michael Ogden baby and Evan Ferguson has scored his first goal for the Republic of Ireland senior team from close range it was an easy tap in but a brilliantly worked goal again by Ireland Oh yeah, and just like that, Evan Ferguson was up and running in his Ireland career. A goal last night in a 3-2 win for the Republic of Ireland against Latvia. Give us your thoughts. 087-9180-180 is the WhatsApp number. We'll have Vinnie Perth in the studio a little bit later on. In the meantime, we're going to have to make do with Shane and Colm. Good morning to you, lads. Ah, yeah. Second choice. Good morning. There you go. First choice always. Welcome back, Shane. Great to have you back for this uh, momentous day. Say what you want about the game. Right, starts off very well. First 20 minutes looks like this is fantastic, ideal preparation for France. And in the rest of the game, okay. We'll talk about that. But I think what was absolute success, the new Irish look, the crest, looked unbelievably nice. Mm -hmm. Unbelievably nice in action, especially afterwards. Evan Ferguson was getting interviewed. He had the jacket on, Castori to one side and the crest on the other side. I couldn't keep my eyes off it. I was like, fair play to design department. That's just Evan Ferguson's pecs generally, I think, pronounced the jersey a little bit more. We had enough, we had enough of this uh, pervy behaviour last night, uh, or yesterday, Shane, so we're we're nipping that in the bud. Um, (laughs) It needs to be said. Uh, I, I noticed that when James McLean put his post up that there was a lot of love from international people for the, oh they're like wow the jersey looks great so uh, you know maybe there's going to be a backlash against the backlash mm. in traditional Irish fashion I'm oh f- other people think it's okay oh yeah I was always in favour of that jersey in the first place I'm not a fan of the jersey I'm a fan of the crest you're not a fan okay. of the jersey at all yes. okay. Okay. that's what I want retro to say. was good though that let's talk about the said. football yes let's t- let's happily stick to football uh, <laughs> I'm for for once I'm on the stick to football. We have a, a lot of evidence. Uh, Dunphy thinks it was sloppy, lazy. Don't know what he was trying to do with the team selection. No one has supported him more than me, says Dunphy. But that that should have played the full team. Now um, we had Keith Tracy in studio last Friday for the football kickoff, and he was like, "You can't you can't pick the same team that you're going to pick for the France game as you pick for the Latvia game. We've got to go and try and win the game." Mm. And I'm I have a foot in both camps. I understand what um, he's trying to do last night. And I understand as well that some players are having their load managed. We don't need to see John Egan yeah. play the full game. Like Egan involved in a big game last weekend. He is going to captain, or certainly it's a good chance that he's... Oh, I don't know who's going to captain now. Is, is Seamus Coleman going to play? There's some doubts about Coleman. All of a sudden there's like a, a, a niggle that he's you know, he'll be fine. But what's the... Like, does he not play? And so therefore, mm. do we actually end up just seeing largely that defence with... Egan in instead of Omobamadeli and Bazunu in goals and then you're like okay well it's not that big a deal that um, these players played last night so I, I don't know I, I, it, ultimately it doesn't really matter if we get a performance against France you'll be like everybody in the squad feels alive they feel like they've been given an opportunity and for the Greece game which is when I think and we can talk about this is when I think Smallbone might get a, an opportunity to start um, then all of a sudden you have real competition and strength and depth 
I think for this one though, for the France game, he's going to go back to players that he knows really well and who he can trust. Yeah, uh, Smallbone like probably deserves a start after the performance last night. He was the, quite comfortably the standout player, but maybe it comes too soon for him to start against France. I think even his own vibe in the in the interviews afterwards, he was like, "Well, whether I, whether I come off the bench or, or start on Monday, happy to do a job." But I, I think it won't be a start at this stage. You'd imagine. Um, yeah, tried and trusted is probably the method to, to beat France, and it's going to be a completely different setup against France. Let's be honest. I think that Kenny just wanted to get, go out there and get the win last night. There are, are as many negatives out of last night as positives, but I mean, which do you want to focus on here? Well, we are where we are is the first thing, right? Like we have a really young team. There's not there's not like six players who could come in and immediately make the team better. Who you're going? Oh, there's there's loads of lads with fifty caps who could definitely improve the ebb and flow of that side. Uh, I think he's managing his resources over the course of these two fixtures and I I don't need to see Josh Cullen play I don't need to see Josh Cullen get kicked around uh, in midfield I didn't need to see Evan Ferguson play on after he got a like when oh, the, the follow through yeah. with the shot I'm like okay off you go that's it everyone stop in national <laughs> crisis get him off <laughs> no they, they played him on I was like I'm not sure about that but he's 18 you can't wrap him in cotton wool either you know, like, well, you can. You literally can take him off after that point to say, "No more minutes for you, buddy. No more." No, they gave him ten more minutes. And so no, I, I think that I think that was fine to give him. If he wasn't injured, it was fine to keep him on because we're going to need him for as long as possible. We didn't France. send anybody out to see if he was injured or not. We didn't like have a you know just level. Just you know, you got a lot of adrenaline coursing into your system here. You've scored mm. a goal in your full debut for the Republic of Ireland at home. Everybody thinks you're anyway. Well, Shane, you were there. The, was then, did anybody evidently go over to him? No, no, I didn't. I didn't see it. the two biggest cheers. I would say uh, of the night that I could sense were uh, the announcer calling the teams out beforehand the cheer for Evan Ferguson's name was massive uh, clearly bigger than any other player's cheer and then Mikey Johnston going over to Mm. take a corner I think after his two little Maisie runs everyone was like this guy's a player and he went over to literally take a corner he didn't even end up taking the corner I don't think but uh, that entire corner just gave him an, an ovation that I was like yeah this I mean, guy Sorry, that, was, that was can we just stop with Johnston yeah. for a second right? whatever about the Maisie dribble the first thing he did after he came on the pitch mm. and hits the post and that's where the winner is scored from the second dribble on the left hand side yeah. so he drops his shoulder goes past one Latvia player and I was like that's nice oh. we don't see enough Irish players do that in fact when's the last time you've seen well, the Republic McGeady. of Ireland International do something like that it's the next part it is McGeady it's um, the next yeah in McGeady like it's the, the next part the next part when he has two Latvia players around him and he does this little neat bit of footwork right foot to left foot shift with mm. the ball now that type of skill you do not associate with Irish players and it's unbelievable to see. I love that. I love that. And it's unfortunate the shot was blocked afterwards. I actually thought he was going to dummy it one more time and commit that defender and then have an easier angle mm. to pass through the goalkeeper. But he was delighted with himself afterwards, a big smile, and he plays with a smile. And he was playing so well, at one point I was like, Jeez, you know, you, you could start this guy against France. What? I'm not one for hyperbole, could, but like, the ball was glued to his feet like this guy. Lionel Messi. <laughs> there, was, there was something about his dribbling. I, I'm not, That's totally fair. Clip that. Yeah, don't totally get ahead of myself. He was brilliant. Uh, and he was messy very, in Holland. It was very McGeady esque, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, now, there, there, like, I didn't know the things he did afterwards. He gave the ball away a couple of times after mm. that dribble, and he probably got a bit excited with it. But we just don't have anyone like that, and actually, very few teams do. In as Stewie Byrne was saying it afterwards, we played the video out at the end of the show with uh, Stephen Doyle was that. You just don't see many players in football in general do that anymore because football is generally very structured. Yeah. And taking on players is a high-risk strategy which often doesn't pay off. Yeah. Uh, it was very exciting. It was like... It was. A, I, think, I don't think everybody... we should be glib over it. I think it was really exciting. I, I, thought, I don't think we 
have seen enough of that at all. And when it's happened, I was like, that's the reason you watch football. Mm. Moments like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> You've seen it. By the way, I'm all for uh, Munster representation, of course, in general this week. But uh, I found it odd that Queen Kelleher started ahead of Gavin Bazunu. Because business on a Sorry, hang, Monday. On, hang on a second, hang on a second. You, you've just dropped that in there without actually having any context to it. What are you talking about? Um, there was a Cork man in goal. No, no, and I thought this should have played you're it all about Munster representation this week. What are you talking about? Well, you know, the, it's funny, Jerry, you bring that up. I, you, I brought was it thinking, up. you brought it up. You bring up. it brought up again, as in you kept it going, uh, that Ireland won the Grand Slam there last uh, Saturday it at did the actually, Aviva. Yeah. And uh, the, there was a lot of Leinster players on the pitch. And it, it did occur to me, I was watching the match in Cork and after 58 minutes, someone said to me in my near vicinity, he was like, there's only one Cork fellow on the pitch at that point. Boo-hoo. And uh, last night, then, this video emerges online. Guy Ringrose, all the lads calling over to the house and one after another they pile in and what you're mostly hearing are Leinster, Southern Dublin accents. And then you hear at the back of the queue, this monster voice and I was like wouldn't it be nice to have a greater representation on the Irish rugby team which wouldn't it be nice if it's the Irish rugby they're team they're all Irish not Jesus. so that's, then it happened last night let's just throw that out there to 0879180180 or you can leave a comment in the YouTube stream and, and we'll put a little poll up maybe to, to see our <laughs> yeah, that's fine. See, you brought it up now Colin. you brought it up not us right you brought it up that's it go on, go on I, Cleveland Keller you didn't want to play what well, yeah, again, I'm all about Cork people playing. Fantastic. But Keller has not played for Liverpool at all recently and he isn't going to play on Monday night. And I thought that was the only position where I would play the player that I intend to start with on Monday. And that's Bazunu because he's going to play on Monday. And I found that a strange decision because Keller wasn't great for both goals. He Strangely, for the first one, I mean, it's a screamer. It's one of the greatest goals scored by an opposition oh, team yeah. at the Aviva. Since the last time. But yeah, well, there's been two and other long-distance screamers, Azerbaijan and Luxembourg, but I think this is the best. Keller seemed to run past the ball, strangely, for the first goal. And the second goal, look, a big deflection on a wet night, but his reactions were slow because he doesn't play much football. He's not yeah, used to this. I think that... Um, I, I actually don't agree with you that they, t- they need to play Bazunu. Like, Bazunu's played every minute of all the, the Premier League games, I think. He hasn't, he hasn't been dropped for any of the Premier League games. He hasn't played no, he hasn't. He's played everything, yeah. But he has not he used to this he team. He doesn't need... Well, he's very used to it because he's got, like, 15, 20 caps at this stage with... Uh, how many caps does Bazunu have? I need to just actually check. Check the way, but at the moment, though, but he hasn't played with this Irish team for a few months now and I was, it would be nice to kind of get back into the rhythm of it and play with yeah, what's going to be a very similar defence and I think that Bazunu should have started It's a perfect opportunity to give Kelleher a cap because exactly. he's not going to get that many caps uh, Well I think he well, why would you do I think there's a chance he might get loads of caps if he gets a move to another Premier yeah, League Yeah of course so so I, Oh I, yeah I, the future is very bright for Kelleher yet. but right now 13, 13 caps okay. so 15, 20, But right now heading into this France game I would, I would get Bazunu as much practice at that stadium with this team again to get him back into the rhythm of playing with that side because it's a goalkeeper it's crucial I As did. we saw last night if you make a subtle error as a goalkeeper you cast goals. So the other side of that is that if Bazuna gets injured before the Greece game, for example, let, 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 we should the, the games against France. If we get a point from the two games against France and a point from the two games against the Netherlands, Netherlands. that won't be a bad outcome. So the main games are the mm. games ultimately against Greece and Gibraltar are going to decide how this whole thing pans out and where we end up realistically in, in terms of qualification. Um, if you have no goalkeeper who has played no games, if it's uh, if it's Kelleher in Greece because Bazunu gets injured, yeah. then he's got nothing. And also, I think 
playing last night is going to give him a taste for playing and he's going to go back and insist that this is the end of his Liverpool career as opposed to there's a few requests in might be nice for me to be able to move on what do you think mm. is that, it's like no I've got to go because I'm not even playing that well at the moment and I've got to get out of this and the only way to do that is so I, look I, you're, you might be right Bazuno drops one in the first five minutes on the ground and someone scuffs it in and you're like oh if he played the other night I'm going to be pr-, you know I don't know I'd like, I think that you've got to try and keep everybody as engaged and as involved as possible and ultimately he's played loads of football like that's his gig week in week out he's playing football and he knows what the job is and he's played in this team as first choice and he's secure I think in that position for now so all of those things are true I just think it would have been better preparation for him to play this game but then, ready for then, then you just play the whole team like no, then, you, no, no. then you have to play Cullen and then you have to play like it's the same argument and so either you're consistent with the argument or you're not I think and what he what he chose to do was let's see some players let's let's increase the strength and depth and let's risk yeah, some stuff. you don't have to play your strongest team it's go- goalkeepers are different that's why? my point why because if you make a tiny error as a goalkeeper it's a goal so I think it would be a great but how are you less likely to make an error your first choice goalkeeper ahead of a game of this magnitude he, he played last weekend though like it's not like he's going to be out of practice or rusty yeah but it's, it would be good to play with these set of players at the stadium in this environment to get back into the swing of things I just thought it would have been better preparation for it I didn't see the point of playing Keller last night um, ok I, I, I do I think that like it, it's a significant moment in Kelleher's career where it's like okay we, we still want you to be able to play in big games for us and you're going to have to be ready but you're not ready at the moment because you're not getting football one, one man I felt wasn't setting the world alight last night was Michael Obafemi like, and I was expecting and hoping for big things from him last night but and look he set up the, the Ferguson goal by keeping the ball in play but apart from that the touches he had were kind of sporadic and also a little bit just not that exciting he didn't really do much to, to stick his hand up. But we know what Michael Obafemi can do. And maybe that's why you probably do play him on Monday night off Evan Ferguson again. I don't know what thinking. Stephen Kenny did mention Adamita by name and says hopefully he'll be back in selection for, for Monday as well. So there's a few options there. O'Dowd was brilliant, left back as well, put his hand up. So the positives outweigh the negatives, I think. Yeah. Albeit you know, giving up a 2-0 lead at home against Latvia. A team, what, 133rd in the world or something? Yeah. Like, it's not great, but like... It was similar. I was at that Armenia game where we did the exact same. But yeah. the atmosphere was probably more exciting leaving that one because it was a last-minute winner and everyone was like, oh, we got the win. It was Nations League. We needed to get the three points. Happy Brady, yeah. Yeah, so it was a bit more exciting. Last night was like, ah, oh, Evan Ferguson. Like the, the reason I went last night was I want, I'd want to look back in 10, 15, 20 years and be like, I wasn't at Evan Ferguson's first game. Mm. Bought the programme, kept it dry until one guy spilled beer all over it. So now I have a story to go with the programme. But uh, yeah, that pissed me off a little Stained bit last night. Program. I'm sure somebody would give you their programme from last yeah. night that's clean and not well, if, if anyone's and watching and has a, has a dry programme, Shane Hannon, off the ball Marconi house. Slowly fermenting the, the, the extra sugary beer, ruining and, and taking away. And then you'll be like, who, who's... And the pages stuck together and like Evan Ferguson's face kind of mashed onto Kevin uh, Kelleher's face. Thickened. Thickened. <laughs> so if anyone has a programme, yeah. I thought uh, Callum O'Donnell kind of reflected the team's performance. Probably started brilliantly and sort of faded after that, but mm. his impact was such that I think overall he played very well. I would disagree with Obafemi, but it's interesting your perspective being there at the stadium. You probably saw more of him off the ball and off the camera, but from what I saw of him on TV, I was impressed. Like I thought he played a crucial part in both goals. The obvious one for Ferguson set up keeping the ball in just, I don't know if that was in play. It seemed to be just about in play. It'd be good, to, it'd be good to have the Alvar, wouldn't it? Yeah. For the penalty that we just didn't get that would have made the game 3 0. And yeah. I think, I, like I know it's a friendly, and here's the thing maybe they were, that was a make up decision, like the penalty because they thought the mm. ball was out of play. 
I don't know. It, the one angle that they zoomed in on seemed it was just about in play, but it didn't seem to finish. Will it. we have VAR for the France game? Will we have? There should uh, be VAR for France game. Uh, will there be like a camera that would be able to tell us if whether it, like if it's a competitive match, you'd imagine it would be. And, yeah. and will will that technology apply to? Whether or not the ball was out of play there. But usually, if it, if it leads to a goal, maybe is the only time that would mm. intervene. Well, yeah. So, which it did in this instance. So, yeah, I, I'd imagine it would. Um, but even his movement for the first goal to create space for Odero to come in. And then, one thing is what this, he had a lovely flick through um, pass to, I think it was Jason Rumby or Alan Brown, after, just after 2 0. Mm. Beautiful through ball. It just flicked. No luck pass, something that Matt Darty was doing repeatedly and giving the ball away a lot, doing the same thing. But this actually worked for Abafemi, and he created loads of space. So I, I hear you, Shane. He gave the ball away a few times, but I thought overall he was very good, Abafemi, from my perspective. I, I thought he was pretty good too. I think that, um, like, uh, with a player like that, right, you need them to be, you need them to have goal involvements, mm. and you need them to be energetic in their press because they're not. He's not going to be dropping back into midfield and looking up and switching the play. Like that's not his game. Um, so I, look I, there's a the beginning of a partnership there we should talk about Smallbone a lot of love for him he was player of the match and I, like I, I, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to start I don't think he's in contention to start uh, really but that's not a reflection on um, on where he is or anything like that it's just that for this game against France I'm not sure unless unless he just plays with Ferguson up front and adds an extra body in midfield and he's the body in midfield but yeah. I think Knight's coming in because of the high octane high energy fast running that you get from him mm. and um, and I think obviously Cullen's coming in and so where do you fit him in the team? Yeah, you have to drop one of those two names you've mentioned don't you? Um, but th- this, this that's the thing Will Smallbone is playing unbelievably well for Stoke City he's like turned into an assist king plays really well last night O'Dowd is playing brilliantly for Cardiff City plays really well last night Doherty's not getting game time at, at Atletico and plays relatively poorly last night so turns out game time and form this season really has an impact at international level so f- that's an argument for Will Smallbone to start against France I would say um, head and shoulders above anyone in a, in a green jersey last night So, like, like I wouldn't be against Will Smallbone starting but as you say the, the question is who do you take out well yeah the only problem is I think he was he stood out significantly I think as the, the most technically gifted midfielder on show last night between mm. both teams and that just won't be the case against France. No, so course. then you're thinking, well, what kind of small bun are you going to get? Because he's going to have to be just part of the game. He's not going to stand out above France's midfield. So therefore, it, yeah, it might be just about the right call to keep him on the bench and bring him on. But you'd be very tempted to play him like he was excellent. His link up with, with Doherty was exceptional. And going back to Doherty there, Shane, you said he was pouring up. He's not playing for Atletico. I think he actually started the game quite well. And Did it goes yeah. to show he's, he's obviously training with a lot of talent around him every day. He's only played 16 minutes for Atletico since moving in January but you could tell the quality around them because he was confident at the start he got loads of the ball and it seemed to be himself and Will Smallbone were having their own personal game like where they were just passing to each other exclusively at one point but Darty, you know was very poor for the goal the flicker in the corner and he actually did the exact same thing at the start of the second half mm. which again led to a Latvia shot from about 25 yards out this time went straight at Kelleher so it, it's a facet of Darty's game that for me has always been there he does this um kind of careless passing forward where he doesn't look and he just puts it into space and with Darty he kind of frustrates me a bit he's played the most under any player under the Stephen Kenny regime played the most amount of games mm. he can be so much more Darty than he is and I think the thing with Darty is he's always struggled with confidence I don't think he believes in himself as much as he should like yeah. he has everything there to be an exceptional player technically but I often find with Darty he gets the ball he stands still passes it backwards passes it sideways 
and you could be getting way more out of him because the odd time when he does go forward and he gets a bit of momentum he stands out as a really good player it's a real pity that Wolves didn't give him the contract that he got at Spurs and he was still rampaging down the wing for uh, Wolves um, we tweeted out last night before kickoff the average age of the team Keller 24 Omobama Deli 20 O'Shea 24 Collins 21 O'Dowd 27 Darty, the old man of the team at 31 Malumbi 23 Brown 27 Smallbone 23 Obafemi 22 and Ferguson 18 the average age is 23.6 Um it's a really young team and I think that's the bit where you see that there's room for growth like the defensive errors uh, are are worrying like it is it is worrying that teams have identified take pot shots and if you hit the targets there's a good chance you're going to score from distance that's something that like mm-hmm. is that pressure on the ball in midfield is that the defence are like two yards back from where they need to be uh, and is that is that fixed automatically by John Egan coming in and just bossing everybody forward? Well, the second goal of Shambolic. Oh, like, really bad. Like, Callum O'Dowda and Darrow O'Shea, there was no communication. They went for the same ball. Mm. And even before that, Nathan Collins had a chance to clear. Per header. Yeah. And he's too deep then when he deflects it, so he's not pushing there wasn't, out. There wasn't actually enough pressure on the header. that. So, Collins is the second ball. Second, yeah. Yeah. On the first one, Omar Mamadali isn't strong enough to, like, hang on a second. You know, I'm in charge here. So... Look, you forget that he's 20 and that he hasn't played enough football over the last 18 months. So, um, See, but there, yeah, I like there, there's not even a chance for that for you there if there's communication between O'Dowda and O'Shea, and that does go to show the inexperience and probably lack of leadership on the pitch last night. There was no one that vocal. Like, the most senior defender was O'Shea at 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, like, you know, he, like he has taken this chance here, uh, and he's captained he's captained West Brom at, at times. So, like I, I, and also uh, at twenty seven, you know, Callum O'Dowda doesn't need much more experience. Like he's played a lot of football, mm. so I, but that's fixable. Is I, I guess is is the point that I'm getting to there that the defensive errors are fixable, and you hope that uh, the benefit of them playing is uh, together is that they they stick in the team. But if if you if you two are both so out on Doherty's performance last night, does he not start? Depends on Coleman's fitness. Well, does it only depend on Coleman? You can't see him playing left back. Is O'Dowda now your first choice left but back? Uh, I think O'Dowda, I think he'll, will he start O'Dowda? Yeah, yeah, he does start O'Dowda now. I we'll, think. we'll get Finney Parts stake in this. He's going yeah. to come in, tell us his preferred 11 if everyone's fit against France. But I mean, I've probably just, just about maybe go for Doherty, left wing back, with Coleman on the other side if Coleman's fit. Should you need to pick players that are playing well, Colm? Like O'Dowda played well, you can't drop him. I think anyway. Like he's playing well all season, by the way, at club level, not just last night. Just start is more experience against yeah. really brilliant opposition. True, no doubt. But it's geez, that's a tight, tight call. Mm. I just I wasn't like Darty did a lot of things well last night. Again, his link up play with Smallbone was brilliant, and it, would, it caused Latvia all manner of problems. It, it's funny. Um, and he was central to the first two goals, Darty. But like, he, there's just he leaves a lot out there. But in fairness, he's played barely any football in 2023. It's funny, like I, I, I know leaving the Aviva Stadium last night, there's probably some elements of the Kenny Out Brigade that, that would be like feeling quite negative ahead of the France game and, and, and how far off it we, we probably are, given, as Stephen Kenny mentioned, this is a France team that's been in the last two World Cup finals. But I, I, there is something about the Ireland team when it comes to a big, big game at home against top opposition, where they just completely up the ante and up the performance. So it, like, I'm not even concerned that we can see the two against Latvia at home last night, and I should be. But it's, it's just the fact that you know... Like the Portugal game, they're they're going to possibly up it a little bit. It's it's not the starting team that that'll play on Monday as played last night. But I just think there's there's something in 
this Irish team when it comes to a big game. France, the, the atmosphere full of Viva Stadium. There was 10,000 empty seats last night in Viva. So I think all of those elements would lead to yeah, maybe no, a bit I, more optimistic, possibly, for me. I think last night was largely really positive. Like, you look at the two Latvia goals, one of them was a screamer, mm. and the second one was a, a defensive error, as Gerald already said, can be fixed, like, with just better communication and more awareness around you. The concerning issue is this trend of conceding goals from outside the box against lower-ranked opposition, which yeah. is a very specific problem it is, it for is. this Ireland side. Yeah, and you do wonder if that's not actually quite fixable, that, like... Uh, uh, Keith Andrews and, and um, John O'Shea are looking at that going here's how we're going to fix that lads does everybody understand exactly what your role is when this happens let's be more switched on and let's have more confidence in ourselves to I, d- I think it, it, it is potentially about um, the time the, the time spent on the training pitch and you hope that the extra uh, five or six um, hours that they get between now and the arrival of this <laughs> Absolutely star-studded French team. Yeah, and they're, they're still winning games. Like there, there was a time there where th- that Latvia game last night and the Armenia game at home, they would have ended up drawing or losing those, those games. So at least they're getting. I know it's only a friendly, but they're getting the results, which is confidence as well. You know, Stephen Kelly wants his win ratio as Ireland manager to be let to me be high. So we'll uh, run you through the back page headlines on this. Uh, Fergie Time says the back page of the Daily Star: Ireland three, Latvia two. Kenny pleased as Evan shines ahead of huge France task. Eamon Dunphy, Kenny got it badly wrong with his team selection last night. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, Dunphy's basic point was that he should have picked, I think he's largely agreeing with you, Colin, that, except he would have gone further and picked Egan and picked Cullen and picked Bazunu. Pick the team we're going to play against France and give them game time together. Ferguson leaps into Kenny plans for French showdown. All around him last night, Lansdowne Road resonated with a deep, deep sound of hope. That's Vincent Hogan's piece on um, Evan Ferguson's full debut and a goal. Ogbeni and the sweats. Subchio saves Kenny blushes. What's the reference now? What's the reference there? Am I am I stupid? Benny on the sweats. Is this a band from the seventies or eighties? I guess so. I'm also at a bit of a. <laughs> Help us out in the comments, please. Yeah. Anyone? Bueller. Oh, Bueller. Anyone? Bueller. Okay. Did you get that reference? Oh, Benny Sorry, Benny as well. We haven't even... No, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> we haven't even referenced Giudozio Benny. I think he was brilliant when he came yeah. off the bench as well. Well, bit of an impact. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think for me the most concerning part of the match was the, the first half of the second half. Not the two goals yeah. period for Latvia, but if you look at it, like, Latvia nearly... They had two shots to Ireland's one in that period of time. Yeah, between yeah. the 45th to 60th minute. So, two minutes into the second half. I don't know if you were back in your seat at that point. Oh, I was, of course. I'm but, not one of those uh, fans. Jesus Christ. Good Kvitz, because snaps a volley half volley over the bar and there's another shot from uh, Rangers which already talked about he's still talking <laughs> Benny in the Jets oh, by so the way do you want to continue Benny with your, in the Jets apparently the, Benny the Jets. Yeah, I'm in the middle of it so I thought you took a break and allowed <laughs> other people to speak <laughs> what if I I'm just going to go home again Jesus sit between Please. you two lads bone in contention Man of the match will states his case for France as Evan opens Irish goal accounts Evan targets Bone of contention. Yeah, it's very good. You That's got not bad. Okay. Uh, Evan targets France after dream debut. Uh, he was like, yeah, hopefully I get picked. I mean, you know, the manager would be mad not to, was the <laughs> subtext, right? Yeah. Uh, fresh Hope. This is a re- Return of the Jedi. Was that Fresh Hope or was it was that was that after that? Uh, new Boys Shine as Ireland Overcome Defiant Latvia. That's the examiner. And uh, there you go, Colin, you're free again. Coffee you go. That was done. Oh, yeah. Ruined my momentum now. Uh, oh, you were going through the middle no, of the I, I, I was just saying, I was just saying, 
that uh, Kenny's triple substitute on the hour mark changed the game for the better because within 100 seconds Ireland had retaken the lead and uh, that was good management because you know oftentimes people have a go at him and I thought that was quite good the three subs were good I, I think, and Ireland um, were struggling at the time I think uh, uh, Comiskey points that out in his um, match report as well that there has been criticism of not making changes makes changes and turns out if you make those changes and you bring on those players early enough as well well, whenever you need them, you know, like so. When it's two, what, what, is it, do you wait to make those changes until you're three 0 down or two 0 down against France? <laughs> when do you make? When do you smash the glass and go? This is an emergency. Yeah, mm. I feel like, we're, like we could be level after an hour against France. I've called it. I would. I would take level after an hour against France. Really? Do you think so? I think they'll they'll keep it tight and stay within the game. That Stephen Kenny knows how to play against these big teams. I could have pie on my face and we'll be 3-0 down by an hour on Monday but I'm willing to put myself out there I also think Giles Ogbeni is going to score against France I've seen it in my dreams so um, call it here first folks if it happens you know where you heard it but uh, no I'm, I'm, I'm as, as someone says in the comments Dan says just a silly feeling I have I'm going to the game with a pep in my step on Monday and I think there's a lot of Irish fans with that um, unwarranted perhaps positivity going into Monday but let us dream that's what sport's all about uh, Elton John, <laughs> any of the death. What's wrong with you, Colin? I'm just, I just realised there's a poll. Did he just swear? Can he just swear? Your man, your man had to be about swearing. Can I just, can I just, uh, I'm, I'm, op- producer, I'm so. opening the kimono a little bit here. The, like normally Colin sits there off screen, you can't see it, behind some glass. Even out to us. With the death stare, anytime anybody, uh, or there's anything that is like vaguely, you know, Mary Whitehouse, there's a reference you ask your dad about, uh, the immoral arbiter of anything. And here he is just dropping F-bombs on the show live. Apologies to all the little ears out there. No, I'm I sorry re- for ruining sa- your breakfast, sa- parents. I just realised that they're actually, that we, the digital team, Cameron, Kathleen and Dara have actually oh, set a poll. throwing people under They've the bus. They've actually set a poll as from Munster in Ireland. As we They've asked. actually set a poll. Yeah, as we asked, they should. Can I just say, I agree with Andy Farrell's decision to play the strongest no, players. No, no, I just think it would be now. nice. It's not going to be no, including no, no, the no. clip call. I just think it would be nice to have Munster representation. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I'm not right. saying he picked the wrong team. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Okay. Results show. OTBAM, live with Gillette Labs. Got the ultimate shaver. Your money back neon night edition available now. <laughs> Picked up the momentum in the last five minutes, it feels like, here on the show. Mm. Uh, yeah, you were pointing at me? No, no, he's waving at me now. He's had enough. He's, little, he's little on finger. strike. If any part is outside, we're going to get him in in just a moment. If you want to uh, get in touch, 087-918-180 is the WhatsApp number. We'll be right back after these. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Your dad, Barry, obviously an ex-footballer himself, and I know he takes a bit of a maybe a backseat in your career. How was he kind of feeling when you told him you were going to make your, your full debut tonight? Well, he did. I didn't say that until I think I just left him. Like uh, He just said, listen, look forward to it and all the best, but um, I'll go see him now and see what he has to say. So how do you feel? Do you, you perform generally this evening? I felt alright, I felt as a team, there was, there was gaps for me to get on the ball and tried to get on the ball as best I could. So like overall it was it was decent. Just um, I know it was before your time as well in this team. We see Ireland conceding those kind of balls around the box. Is it something the team spoke about afterwards? Is it something you're going to have to work on again before you play France on Monday? Yeah, it's something we spoke about, but I think it's uh, it's an easy fix. I think we can we can just make a few adjustments and we won't concede any further goals. Your relationship with Will Smallbone on the right was very productive tonight. Is that something you think that's come from Andre's level as well? I think so. Yeah, definitely. It's, I'm more than a good, good mate with Will, so I sort of know how he plays now because I've played with the underage so uh, 
think we've good chemistry. Yeah. Stephen saying to you about the France game on Monday. Is it likely you'll get a start? Do you think? I'm not sure. Yeah. Just recover right and hopefully get a start. How would you feel about playing? I think there's talk maybe up in Meccano and Canati will be the two players play centre half for France. Do you think you can or manage playing against them or maybe get a goal or two? Well, I think it's just it's just the occasion and on the day. And it doesn't really matter. I don't really. It doesn't matter who I'm playing against. Really, it's just a game at the end of the day. Hopefully, we can uh, get through goals. Yeah, uh, what a great attitude he has. Finny Perth, good morning to you. Morning. Yeah, it's great to have no fears in life, isn't it? You must be feeling pretty proud. Yeah, and no, it was a great night. Um, his granny came over from the UK to see him make his debut uh, to score as well. So that was great for him. And um, obviously, there, there was a huge family from the Ferricks in there. So yeah, they did a good night. Yeah, he, and look, uh, these games are always very difficult when uh, there's a lot of pressure on you. But he was he was excellent. Yeah, I think um, it's funny. I said in between. Sean St. Ledger and Richard Dunn at the game last night um, I blanked the Ferguson's for the night and um, the two of them obviously two of them played at a really high level and the one thing the two of them remarked on his movement is is sensational like, and how difficult it would be to mark him um, and I don't think because even with Brighton you see him making a lot of these movements dropping into that sort of 10 position and don't always get the ball but it drags people around and it's I think it's, um, you probably need a runner beyond it and I think the likes of Matoma Brighton would, would, would like that leave a bit of space or solely march so uh, but to be fair to he mentioned Smallbone there in his interview. Him and Smallbone linked up really well with Smallbone making them runs from that sort of 10 position. Thought Smallbone and him were very good, good combination. It's funny you, you mentioned his movement because at some stage in the second half it was almost like a red button. I was sitting in the south stand and you can kind of sit and watch Evan Ferguson for a time in that second half. And I mean this not disrespectfully to the, to the rest of the Irish team, but a lot of the movement and sometimes the touches are at championship level or League One level. But with Ferguson you can tell his touch and his movement is Premier League level. Like there's just there, he, he's a notch above a lot of the Irish players. I do, I, I mean that with respect to the rest of the Irish players as well. We know what level we're at, but Ferguson's movement and his touch is sublime, Benny as well. Yeah, it is. It's something I think he's really worked on over the la- like the huge credit has to go to Brighton. They've really developed that part of his game because he's he's come in now into the, to suit their style and he's not an out now striker so. The benefit of that and him, the player, is he could do all the striker stuff. He could, you know, get into the box, he score headed goals, good finisher. We've seen over the last couple of weeks, but his actually the level of his play since he's gone to Brighton as his link up or uh, taking the ball in under pressure, and also you remember the weight of the pass into strikers when you do go up levels, it's it's completely different. He gets it a little bit quicker um, in the Premiership, I would say. So, mm. but. Yeah, look, um, yeah, I, I think he, he's been a, a real find for us now, absolutely. You obviously have to be coachable, right? But um, just to, to tease that out, how, how are Brighton fixing that stuff or making that better? What, what is it? like? I know it's obviously hours on the train, but what else are they doing? Like? Um, uh, well, look, without knowing the whole ins and outs of it, it's, it's straightforward stuff, as in it's video analysis, it's, it's watching his game, it's... It's it's about continuity of the first team playing the same way as the under-23s at the time. So the two teams play the same way, so they're coached the same way. You expect the striker of the of the first team to play the same way, within reason. And so it's all of those little fine details where um, when you look at um, when you look at the, the, say the Irish rugby team, and particularly now being best in class, when someone comes out, someone else goes in. It's like for like, and that's how when or going back to the All Blacks or whatever it was, when things are really clicking for a club, 
it's it's seamless that the same way. So it's the same principles in your club all the way through. Within reason, you know, you'll have a big striker playing for you under thirteens who's seven foot two and but within reason that's how it's done and it's it's training ground, it's about one on one meetings, it's about sitting with players, it's about developing them and that's why a lot of clubs would, would hire coaches specifically around development of players. So his job will be, you know, to that's why they record training, record under twenty three matches, he link videos together, sit with individual players. So individual uh player improvement or development is a huge part of clubs at the highest level. Yeah, he's obviously benefiting from it massively. Yeah. Um, so what, what else about the shape of the team last night? I, I, so we've got to talk about this because we did talk about it a little bit earlier. Dunphy wanted the full team that was going to play against France. Uh, I, I see merits and some merit in that argument but at the same time you know, you've know you got to manage a squad and you've got to keep everybody interested. And you, it's a bit early in the campaign to be saying this is my first 11 everybody else you're second. Yeah, it's it's one of them where I'm probably walking in a little bit nervous. I didn't hear you this morning. I didn't see much reaction because I was at the game last night, and I, I don't know. I came away from a little bit glass half full, glass half empty feeling. Um, and you often get that with friendlies. Don't get me wrong, but um, I like I've probably got more questions now of the team for France than I do going into the game. I think it's very confusing. Um, That's a good thing, though. That means. The likes of Smallbone put up a hand. No, yeah, but the the challenge we have is like, um, where are we with Matt Doherty? Like, you've got to say, if I if I'm Stephen Kenny's assistant, I'm sitting with him this morning saying, oh, like, what's the decision about right wing back? Mm. You know, I have to say, Matt Doherty looks like he's not playing football, so that game obviously playing him benefited him, and we've got to we've got to see beyond. Uh, as an Irish international team we've got to see beyond players not playing week in week out because of the size of our nation and different things but you've got to have concerns about him and I look at Seamus Coleman playing week in week out with Everton I heard uh, Nathan on I think it was yesterday talking about it We have, if you actually watch him closely he's been excellent in yeah. the last couple of months he's got really really fit again that injury knocked him back for a couple of years and while he is aging I would be I would be making the argument to Stephen this morning you know what? We've got to look at um, Seamus and whether that means, like he didn't come on yesterday. So I find it hard to believe that Seamus will come over and not play this week. Mm. Um, so that tells me Seamus will probably start on Monday in my head. Um, and that does that mean Doherty plays left wing back? So there, there. That's where there's a little bit of confusion now. Um, and then got to go back to the game last night. We and I've said it many times in this show, but. <coughs> We have to learn how to beat these teams. We we weren't good enough against a pretty average side last night. We ended up winning three two, but I, I was hugely disappointed by the performance. We didn't create enough chances. We we have to have a more adaptability about our shape when we play teams similar rank to us or or lower than us because. The first goal was brilliant. It was what you want to see. Striker dropping in, out to the full, full back, sets a small ball and stand up is brilliant. And your left back is getting in the back post scoring. But beyond that, like we didn't pepper their goalkeeper. They looked really poor last night. And this system we're playing, I think it suits the France game. So, But how we can't adapt this, uh, a system for when we play teams like this... It's a big concern. We've struggled against nations and the results back that. It's statistically back it up. It's like people talk about the goal from distance. Oh, it's unlucky. When it happens once, it's unlucky twice. But now it's like a team. Yeah. So what? What? Two things, right? Uh, one, we need to create more chances. Um, 
and adaptability around that and then the um, long range goals can we talk about the long range goals is there, a, is there a world in which that happens if he picks his full team last night if, if Coleman is playing if well, well I suppose we don't if Egan's playing well, well we've conceded them goals people will say over the weekend Josh Cullen adds to this Irish team and he makes us tick and all of these things and that's what you're going to hear that over the weekend in the build up to the France game but Josh Cullen's by and large been in the team when these goals have been conceded so um, it is a problem like it's something that has to be fixed um, our press well, is starting too late is it well, well, or too deep a, a good example of not, I'm sort of not answering your question but when you look at Cal- Callum O'Dowd last night Ireland pressed with the front two the the fullback for Latvia had a field day got the ball and, uh, and by the time Callum O'Dowd engaged them he, he was in on, on a back, or back four or back five and uh, the setup of the team is allowing we're, we're a little bit too passive passive in midfield a little bit too like particularly against Latvia and I, and I'm reluctant almost reluctant to say that Stephen Kenny I know is Callum O'Dowd is like out press that ball really quickly um, when Ferguson and Obafemi go and press he goes and press really quickly you've got three centre halves in behind you and there's a, there's, there's a flaw in, in, in our setup. I think, well, I think. Uh, it struck me watching it um, that uh, people weren't fully aware it, it, was, it wasn't it was unconscious about where they were supposed to be on the pitch when we didn't have the ball that they were thinking about it a bit and so it's that's where the disjointedness comes from and obviously against France Camavinga will drop deep and pick a pass and yeah. suddenly the ball's in the edge of the See, I'm not in here in fear of the France game. I think we'll have a really good performance. I think it suits us. I think the shape of the team will be right. It won't be that high pressure. You let them have the ball, we'll drop in, we'll have a good shape about us. And by and large, we've done okay against the top nations. I'm not overly worried about that. I think we'll have a really strong performance. Mm. That, and, and I don't know the team, but just going back to last night, it, that ain't working against teams around us. And um, so is there is there a world in which he's actually just playing that because this is Lafayette and it doesn't matter and it's a friendly and actually it's better preparation so he's kind of half in the dumpy camp where he's like pushing people in the direction of this is how we're going to prepare like because yes. there's a limit of access yeah, of course of course there is and, and there's, there's an element to that yeah and, absolutely and so you're playing Matt Doherty because he's your number one player and etc and well I think he's got a decision to make around that one now okay so but the, the, but we're not beating these teams around us, Jar, over the last two years. So, like, keep doing the same thing, expect a different result. So something, like, I worked with Stephen Kenny and we went to Zenit St. Petersburg, okay, in the European Europe, and people would say, was there anything on the line really? Yes, there was. We were trying to get out of the group at the time. And we went and attacked them, and you got Brazilian internationals, Juliano was playing for Brazil at the time. They were worth a couple of hundred million. And, I was working on a day job at the time when we done that. There was people like, but we went and had a go and we attacked and we hit the crossbar in the ninety second minute to get one of the greatest results of all time. And we went and had a go. We'd horgan out wide and I'm watching this team last night and it's passive and it's slow, slow, slow. And there's a lot to be excited about as well with the Ferguson, with Smallbones, with the young players coming through. And going, we've got to change from that. And we've got to learn from that um, because that could have been. In a two-game window, that could have been your first qualifying game against the Greece at home or a, a, whoever it could have been. And we've struggled in them games and we've got to learn from that last night. And that's where I asked the question. I think we've learned loads, but what have we really learned? As you're saying, Jer, like we look better in possession 
formation-wise than out of possession. And it's almost like it's... I don't know if this is something, Vinny, but at international level, you obviously don't get as much time. The manager doesn't get, doesn't get as, much, as much time in the training pitch as perhaps he would like, certainly not as much as at club level. But it, it's tougher to practice out-of-possession formations in training than it is... You know, you can set up... Yes. Well, you can set up in formation quite easily. Oh, is that not the, oh, see, it's easier to, to set up without the ball, uh, Shane, because so, it's it's a very simple drill. Like you, you, you get your players to play the ball, they do eleven v zero or eleven v eleven, and then once a goal breaks down, you're able to actually physically drag people. When we don't have the ball, I want you here, here, here. As I always say, the easiest part of football is to set up defensively. But so the, that's the easiest part. Is the problem that these players wouldn't have been used to playing? with each other is that too well, easy well no solution? but I challenge you on Ireland are really good on the ball that part I challenge you on that like what's really good on the ball being easy on the eye passing it sideways backways like against Latvia last night we should have created the, the quality of the opposition and the quality we have we should have created chance after chance I'd accept that result and people would if we'd have peppered their goal mm. the first goal brilliant small ball standing up for a, a wing back we didn't play like that last night. So I challenge your, your question there, about being good on the ball. Is there any world in which you go 2 nil up and you get a bit complacent? Kenny yeah. was like, I don't want to use the word complacent, then he used the word complacent. And it did feel a little bit like Sting went out of the game and we're not good enough really yet to have... We, we, we can't control possession for 35 minutes and just kill the opposition to the point where we know we're going to score a third goal, but it'll come after 70 minutes or around then. Yeah, but you do that by creating chances, by getting into the fun zone, by and eventually you wear a team back. And what happened that game switched. We went two 0 up, and you you got the sense. And it's very easy after the fact. And we, if you, I wasn't mic'd up, or the the two lads were sitting with. You could see Latvia growing into the game because yeah. we lacked intensity. You could see, and when you got the goal from distance, you're like, okay, it's from distance, bit unlucky, but no, they, they got, they better, got, got better and got yeah. better because why? Uh, and I, I make this point our right wing back wasn't on the end line crossing again for a left wing back which sent them back and so we lacked we lacked intensity last night and we got punished but almost punished for it so what are the fixes <clears throat> what are well, the fixes for that well give you what, what are the fixes like okay we we struggle with some wingers but I, st- I still think we have enough to come up with formations of a 4-2-3-1 when we play these teams or some variant of that but look at the fix Mikey Johnson came on and Chidozia Benya and just gave it the whole team a lift yeah. and, and put them under pressure why? there was intensity in our forward play there was people running there was there was more movement There was and, and sometimes it's easy when subs comes on when a game is stale to be fair right? and the old pros will tell you that it's, it's always the, the fellas come on and the game wasn't yeah. going well but it is a about intensity it's about like you can play Chidozi and Benya as a, as a wide man absolutely you could play Smallbone as, as one of the narrow ones you could play now we've got Mikey Johnson who I think will be a really exciting player but he doesn't fit into our system because he's an out now winger yeah but Kenny was like uh, uh, in the post match you know I love wingers Tony I was like well okay that's interesting so and he was <laughs> like because he, he came as soon as they got the international clearance, he came straight into the squad, and then he came straight into the team the first yeah. time they could get him. So uh, maybe maybe he's not a one man solution to this, but certainly, um, yeah, I, I I I don't buy into that. We don't like Callum O'Dowd has been around for a while, and he's now playing wing back, but he is a, he is such a winger. Um, yeah, look. It, it doesn't necessarily need wingers to play that system. If you don't have wingers, you can still play with a front three. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teams do it. They can play narrow. But it's about releasing your fullbacks. It's about getting 2v1 overloads against weaker teams. A lot of the teams, you look at 
the lesser nations have come here and they've, they've shut up shop in the middle or spaced out wide and we're ultimately on a 1v1 out wide instead of 2v1s where you create a lot of stuff and um, we've Do, got improving it. Does Will Smallbone start? Like he, he certainly put his hand up for, for maybe a more significant inclusion against France but then we were, as we were saying this morning who do you, who do you leave out if Will Smallbone does come in? Um, that, that's, the, that's the question in terms of the team. I think I, I, I thought people saw Will Smallbone's goals for the under-21s and they, they speak them up but his overall performances against any team we played Italy, whatever at the 21s he looked to cut above everyone on the pitch I think Will Smallbone's at a, at a stage of his career where club form has to go well for him and I think does, does another level for him um, who do you leave out? depends on the way he sets up the team to, mm. be, to be honest with you um, Jason Knight I would imagine I'd imagine Stephen came into this with a sort of clear idea within reason of who's going to start against France on Monday. Um, the challenge is someone like Smallbone done done very well, but does he put him into the team? I think the only thing we know now is Bazuna will play. I think of a good idea that it'll be uh, the back three will be um, Egan, Egan uh, O'Shea, and Collins. Collins looked rusty as hell last night. I don't know what we came across on TV, but. I think that's set in stone and Josh Cullen will play beyond that I actually don't know what he's going to do I would play Seamus Coleman on one side and um, whether it's Matt Doherty or um, you couldn't rule out James McLean for his running power on the left Yeah. Um, Cullen Malumbi I think we have to now play against France with uh, I mentioned it before uh, maybe a boxing midfield of, of Jason Knight and uh, Smallbone making those forward runs what McGrath done against Portugal away with one centre forward still not convinced he's going to play Evan Ferguson haven't been convinced about that really? All, yeah I'm not convinced about that I think if Adam Ida was fit Jesus I think he has he to start Vinny, doesn't he? yeah I think he does but I haven't been convinced about it but um, the other thing is then if we're gonna if, if he's not gonna play that way, it has to be Chidozi or Benya to, who gives you that running power back into uh, positions because we know how France play. I don't think they'll overchange how they play. It'll be so you you would play Benny ahead of Obafemi for the France game. Yeah, and uh, Obafemi kind of, looked like last night to me that he's not playing enough football. He was rusty, wasn't he? Yeah, I just and thought he he wasn't involved enough nearly. Because you know what he's capable of, that's the problem. So you're like, well, this guy, we know what his, his top standard is, but he just, every time he got the ball, you were like, even his runs off the ball, Vinny, I don't know if you noticed that as well, he almost didn't seem as lively as he usually is. To, to be fair, the players, like, they, they struggle to play nowadays a centre-forward with another one beside them because yeah. they're just not doing it all the time. And Yeah, that, that will take time. If him and Ferguson going to emerge as a partnership, it will take time to develop. But we've got options, but... Yeah, the team. The, uh, I'm probably further away from what I thought the team would be going into the game last night than when I came out of it. Yeah, and uh, look, I I see. So if he if he picked the team that he wanted to play against France, we'd all know exactly what he's going to do. And this, I guess, is why you you uh, earn your corn as a manager. Like, and I I do think that there's an eye on the Greece game because the Greece and the next window is Greece away and Gibraltar at home. Yeah. And if we get six points from that, irrespective almost of what happens against France, we'll feel good about life. If we get four points from that, that's probably at the break-even situation where it's our results versus the top two teams versus Greece's results of the top two teams if we beat them at home. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the ball game for this. Yeah. Um, I suppose like the other thing, though, is over the years, we've always had a big result against a big nation. So, you know, part of me would like Holland to 
beat France, a bit of turmoil, the French can fight with each other, have a bad weekend, the Irish weather, get the hotel hopefully is not great that they go to, the Wi-Fi's down or something, you all start <laughs> fighting and we have a magical night, you know. That, um, Send the drones out to block the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, players get upset and not having Wi-Fi. Um, so something along them lines is what you hope for. I think we'll need a big result in this, this result, uh, in this campaign. So, I mean, why not be Sunday? Like, I keep going back to it. The Stephen Kenny I know would be thinking about getting a result, like 1-0 or 2-0 and a good performance. It's not what he his mindset is. So, so we should go through the team just to, to uh, what your final, what your team would be and what you think might be picked. But then just the second the second goal, obviously, the first goal is is, is now an issue because it's happened so much. And, and I definitely agree with that, to be honest. Um, the whole, oh, it's world class, nothing you could do. But there's probably a lot you can do. Second goal is a bit of a disaster because... It's just a set piece, a run-of-the-mill set piece, and there's three separate opportunities for the defenders to do something about it. Yeah, and I think Alba Mamadeli's got to do better first. Like, there's a, there's a couple of errors. I think um, it, it gets a deflection on the way in, but I've seen, if anyone knows that about coaching goalkeepers, that's something they work on. There's a new piece of kit yeah, now the where, where the ball hits and it spins in different ways. I think... Kevin should have done a little bit better for it. I also think if you look at the first goal from behind, he doesn't sort his feet out properly, so he's diving sort of under the ball as opposed to up. Um, so he, that will have to be looked at again. He's not playing loads of football. But th- there was a couple of fundamental errors in the second goal where we just lacked a little bit of aggression to go and win a proper yeah. header and head it 25 yards as opposed to into a little danger and didn't get a good enough pressure on it. So there's probably about three errors in that goal. Um, is that fixable? Is that like a, a, a an attitude where we have to we have to be on it from the first second to the last against France? Everybody around me is, is world class, so I just need to make sure that I'm giving this absolutely... And that's why I don't fear against France, because I think I think your mindset's completely... There. You probably had that ball five yards further clear, and when it does break, you're throwing your body on the line and it hits you. In it, somewhere where it hurts and you move on and you don't concede I'd like to think um, I, I, I could sort of forgive that one but be disappointed in players in terms of their errors for that goal absolutely so we know it's Bazunu we know it's the back three it's Seamus Coleman the, the news on Coleman was that he had a, a slight strain uh, in the last game against Everton but afterwards Kenny said he's going to be fine so we taking that at face value that he's going to start I think and captain the team I think so and then who would you pick on the left at this stage haven't seen Doherty play last night was the whole point of giving him the game time so yeah. that you feel good about starting him I think I think I think we'll probably start Doherty I think he, he, he I'd, I'd say he'll get the, the game time I know Callum O'Dell done quite well last night but I think you, you go uh, sort of horses for courses and you back your better players Yeah, uh, you, you have to carry one or two like we're carrying Collins who is, looks a little bit rusty you think he'd be fine a um, couple of balls over the top and we were like there was danger um, so we the reaction speed wasn't great but I think you, I think that back five is, is, is set up OK and then uh, in midfield you you had the box of four, so is that two sixes really? Yeah, I think um, um, Cullen and Malumbi will play. Um, I think I think the two of them will play. Um, it's about what we do ahead of them. So Cullen is obviously one of Stephen's mainstays, and people you know really rate him and how he passes the ball. Um, I think he's done really well for Burnley this year, obviously. So he goes into the team. Malumbi's energy is what we need. Um, I think he, he's surpassed Jeff Hendrick in terms of that position for us, so he will play. 
And then, you know, Jason Knight's done excellent for us. Jamie McGrath's done excellent in these games as well. I wouldn't rule out him coming into the team. Um, so, but uh, for me, I, I, personally, I played with two tens, as in Smallbone and Knight. Right. Um, Smallbone straight in, right? Smallbone ahead, um, say, on the right and, and Knight on the left to go and support when it's on, but also give that defensive cover. They've. So they used that system before, but was only really one midfielder done, and Knight does it now. To, to shore, or McGrath does, has done it to shore it up, and then one centre forward is, is how I would play. But who's that? Um, <laughs> I, I think Evan Ferguson has to start. Yeah, he he's, does. he's a level above. Um, I'm still not convinced by it. Uh, just haven't been. Um, I think like Nathan's been making the point that if we lose the game and Ferguson doesn't start, you're making a big rod for your back, and I know you shouldn't. You shouldn't care about what the response outside is going to be, but you have to because... Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I've heard a couple of interviews and a couple of things where I've not known this man through football for 20 years and going, was he really... Not that he's not convinced, just... He's trying to manage the hype. Uh, and yeah, the and it's just going, mm, OK. So just something has, has created a doubt in my mind. Um, small point, but... I, like he did, he wore nineteen last night. I, I would have given him number nine, but that's that's me. There you go. There's number nine. Son, going. But look, yeah. it, they're just small points and they're niggling away in my my mind. I could be wrong. We is, find is any of it just trying to manage the hype and expectation and because like, it, it it is no that's no I don't that's not Stephen's style no. I don't Ferguson doesn't seem bothered by it all anyway. Yeah, I think I think no. That's like if he was club manager to him, maybe. But internationally, like I, th- I think a lot of the crowd turned up to see him. Oh, I totally. Think the reaction of him last night. I got my sister and um, our two kids tickets for the game, and my sister said, "We'll have him play." And I said, "No, I don't think so. I think they'll keep him for Monday." And like my niece was tempted not to go; she wanted to go <laughs> see Ferguson, but uh, they were delighted they ended up playing. So. Look, I think there's a huge reaction to this kid and the momentum with it, and um, so I think I think the goal last night will certainly push. But I wouldn't be shocked. That's the way I put it. If Adam Ida started or 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 somebody else started, maybe the injury and the doubt about Ida even yeah. joining up in the first place, and it takes that out of um, Sean Saint Ledger has a, an interesting life. He's working for Leicester as a scout. Bumped yeah. into our former colleague Owen Sheehan in Colombia at one stage. Yeah, um, he's been. He was telling me he was in France. Um, he's, he's all over the world. Yeah, so um, he. Yeah, it's a great gig. Goes to watch players at, at really high level. Um, speaks really highly of Brendan Rodgers. Anyone that's ever known Brendan Rodgers or, or worked with him speak really highly. And I think Leicester, because of the, the sort of financial fair play or whatever's going on financially, yeah. are sort of operating off a different market. And and Brendan Rodgers has always been strong in that sort of French market and sort of uh, picking players from outside. If you think of Kante, obviously he went to Leicester before him, but if you think of the players that they've had success at Leicester, Fofana, Kante, all these players, uh, it's a really interesting yeah. gig he has. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so you're feeling okay about this? We, we a, a, a draw slash famous night yeah I, I think we'll do really well in the game I think it'll be a great night I don't see us being turned over and, and, and overly beaten but um, no, I think it'll be a really good Irish night and looking forward to it and um, to, to finish on a real positive the amount of young players coming through we, we've got something exciting ahead of us we just need to get the very best out of them alright Vinny good stuff thanks a million for that it is 8.28 this morning uh, after the break Kira Griffin previews the women's Six Nations start this weekend first here is goal scorer Callum O'Dowda chatting with Steve Doyle post-match last night
Callum O'Dowd, you had to make a very good run to get your first international goal. Uh, tell us a bit about it and how does it feel to finally get off the mark? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. Really, really happy. It was a long overdue goal, I'd say, from obviously making making my debut, uh, what was it, 2016, and um, 26 caps later, which I was just saying to those guys there, probably, I know it's been a bit of a roller coaster with, I've had a lot of injuries and, and stuff, but delighted to, to be back out there and contribute, um, obviously, with the gun. And you've always been at the front of Stephen Kenny's mind as well. He's watched you an awful lot with Cardiff City. Is he trying to tap into this new role for you where you've kind of been used more as a, a defensive left midfielder? I'd say so, yeah. The left wing back role is something I've been familiar a lot, especially this season with Cardiff, Cardiff City. But um, it has been. But then I think if you look at the system, Ireland, we've been playing for... Uh, I'd say since Stephen Kenny's been been involved, you have to adapt to it. So I'd say it's as well. I've I've been quite lucky. We played that system at Cardiff as well. Um, <clears throat> but I'd say there'd be times when I've been at Cardiff, I've had to play as a, a left back in a four. So it's like you said, it's it's getting used to that position. Um, and listen, I'm getting a bit older now, so I like to say I can adapt and I know the game well and obviously playing in a left midfield role, I know what it takes to be a left back, so it's just getting used to it again. Are you daunted at all by playing France on Monday night if you're going to have to play that role and you're going to be very sharp defensively? I'm sure you saw them playing at the World Cup. Yeah, no, and obviously I've played against France before, so I know what they're like and that was just before they went on to win the World Cup too. Um, so now I wouldn't say I'm doing it, but it will be a hell of a game, won't it? Yeah, he's ready for it. Um, I look a little side note. Uh, those hoodies look great. Yeah, they are nice. That's a nice color. Decent merch. Yeah, yeah. Colin was like finally through the window. Going, ah, I'm not even there to bask in my reflected glory. <laughs> Eight thirty-one this morning. If you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. Oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number. OTBAM with Gillette Labs. Got the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Let's turn our attention to the Six Nations, which kicks off this weekend. Kira Griffin, former Ireland captain, is with us to help us preview it. Kira, good morning to you. How are you? Morning. How are you keeping? How is your FOMO uh, heading into this weekend? Are you happy as Larry not to be involved? Or are you thinking, oh, just I could, I could still be there? No, I'm happy with my decision. I'm content enough, Jer, uh, so I'm happy out uh, watching, watching in from the outside. I'm looking forward to cheering on the girls in the weekend. It's been a really long time since we've seen this team play any rugby. It was the uh, tour to Japan when obviously things went really, really well for them. And it felt like they were building up a sense of identity and confidence and uh, the magic word momentum. But that's kind of disappeared. We don't really know what to expect from them ahead of this tournament. Yeah, you're right. Because was the, the Japan tour in September it seems like a lifetime ago. Um, as well, since then, you know, they've had the end of the AIL, AIL tournament. Then they went into the Interpros and falling in into Celtic Cup Challenge. Um, and I think they've said a lot that they got a lot of those game time in that Celtic Cup Challenge. And while other player, while the English players were playing over um, in the Premiership, and that's the only game time they really had. They've had no real warm-up games in the run into this. It's just been camps. So I think the Saturday will be a uh, you know, we'll see where they are. We'll see where they set set their bar, and they'll have to go from there. How difficult is it for them to turn it on, like at international level? You know, we we keep hearing about the step up from club to international level, and you have experience of it. But when the gap has been so long, does it make it more pronounced? It does because you know, it's like international level, nothing will prepare you for it. Only test matches. Um, you know, you can do as many replicate as much as you want in training and under those scenarios, but. It's not until you're in Test Rugby that you get that experience and build up that experience bank. 
Um, so I think, look, it's, it's a young squad. They've, they've made that clear that they win for a young squad in terms of to develop and grow and grow. Um, but I do think, look, it will be take a bit of time to find their feet, but hopefully they hit the ground running on Saturday. It's funny, Kira. the target for this Six Nations this year becomes quite obvious for the Irish team. Like, I guess it's closing the gap on, on England and France, but getting that top three finish because of this new women's 15 tournament in the autumn where the top three from the Six Nations automatically qualify, it makes the top three all the more important. It does completely, and that will be their target. Look, last year they finished fourth, so they will be looking to improve on that. And you said top three for WXV competition. That's the aim. You want to play top-tier rugby. That's where you develop. That's where you grow the game. Um, and that would be their target. If two tough home matches in England and France, um, so they will be targeting their away games. And that's where the target will be. And if they secure those three away games, they hopefully should secure that, that top three finish. How big is that gap between England and France and the rest? Like, is it is it is it huge? Is it reducing year on year, or wh- wh- where's it at at the moment in your view? Look, it, it is a big gap. I'm, I'm, I won't. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, it is even re- like the time when I was playing. It was a massive gap. You you know, you tried your best. You did as much as you could to try and close it. But they have they've been you know professional since the uh, end of 2014 into 2017. So that that is standing to them. They've those years built up. That 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 year, those years of experience as players playing together and that good infrastructure there. You know, they have a really good feeder system into their programs. Their club structure is solid, leads in into their international setup, and there's a clear pathway. And look, just something we need to develop here in Ireland as well, that we get that pathway, we get that clear pathway from grassroots to green shirts, that there's a clear system and a clear progression, and that we are, you know, we are fighting at the top then um, when, when that is developed. Uh, there's, there's a debate raging within Irish rugby about whether or not we've made enough progress fast enough and obviously the sevens players won't be playing in the tournament this year and in some ways that's good and bad so that there's like at least a twin track approach to this but there's clarity about what uh, everybody's responsibility is going to be and at the same time some of our best 15s players are obviously playing sevens so um, there's a bit of a split personality about where we are so uh, what's your view now at this remove about the, the speed at which the progress is happening? Yeah, look, I think we all want everything to happen straight away. Um, but unfortunately, look, the the progress wasn't made um, when it should have been. So now we're kind of playing a bit of catch-up, you know. So we are, you know, that, that review, they put in the structures, they're putting in clear structures now for developing international players to high-quality, high standards. And um, there's contracts. So it's not going to happen overnight. I think that's really important that people realise that, look, it's great that contracts have come in, but contracts have only been in since November. Um, so you are playing a bit of catch up there. So I think it's important that players are given the opportunity to, I suppose, find their feet, find their style of play, but also, you know, they need to put in performances too and, I suppose, put their best foot forward. Um, in terms of sevens and fifteens, I think, look, I think it's one way is that it's good that they set out from the start that sevens aren't eligible for selection for the Six Nations campaign. It gives players who are in camp, there's 32 players in camp, gives them an opportunity, you know, to get as well as, I suppose, a bit of game time, a bit of structure. Um, and I suppose they're hand up for selection and get a bit of confidence in their own performance as well. And it kind of, I suppose, keeps that cohesion in the group. So I think, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. You know, it's good in some ways that it's a cohesive group. group but then, obviously, you want your best players playing. But I suppose Sevens have made, they've made it clear that Sevens' priority is qualification for the Olympics. And you have to back that. And you have to support that. So I think, you know, once Irish rugby keeps going, that's we'll be happy with that. Do you look at the squad like when you look when you see eight uncapped players in the squad, for example, Kira, like is that a 
do you see that as at last half folding? This is a positive thing, blooding new players. It's it's a good opportunity, especially with the sevens players absent, to kind of bring new players in. Or are you looking at it going well? This is the Six Nations. We need to finish top three, and a bit of experience would do no harm. Yeah, you're right. It is a glass half full. It's great that they have identified eight new players to hopefully be up to the international standards. Um, but as you said, you want experience um, going into a Six Nations campaign. A Six Nations campaign can be brutal. You know, it's really attritional. It's it's weeks on the trot, constantly training, constantly trying to up your game, and you want to be able to play under fatigue. And then often you comes to a bit of mental fatigue as well, where your body might be fine, but mentally you could be a bit tired from all, all the go, and that's where experience kicks in. Um, and I just hope that they will use the experienced players and your younger players will go to those experienced players, ask for advice, ask for feedback, because that's how you grow. That's how you grow the game. It's it's peer learning. It's peer support. It's you're not you're not on your own. You know, it's, it's a squad effort. Um, I think it's very important that younger players coming into the group that they realise that you know you're there for a reason. Back yourself, but don't be afraid to ask, afraid to ask for support from a senior player as well, because you know they've been there before. They've done it. They might. Have a few bit of advice or a few tips for certain scenarios, and that's that's how you get your game awareness and I suppose your game cuteness. The game against Wales is actually an unbelievably important game. Like if you were starting first up against England or against France, you know that the the job is to try not to get completely destroyed. But the game against Wales is it's kind of a must win if you are putting your stall out to finish third. Yeah, completely it is, and look, it's a rematch of the first round of last year. Um, and unfortunately, they're away this year. You know, so you lose that home advantage. But I think look, if you look at what they're saying in media, that they are, they are they're happy with the preparation, um, they're happy with the group and that they feel confident going into it. So we, hopefully now we do see that result and they get that away win. And it's nice to get your first away win. Uh, the first round of the Six Nations, it kind of you know, gets that momentum and it's all about building momentum as well and you kind of get that confidence. Um, so I think it's very important that you do set out to, to win and, and secure that those those points for the first round. Emma Swords is an interesting one, Kira. Like fascinating that, like initially capped by England, declared for Wales, and now she's in the squad to play against Wales for Ireland this weekend. So already she's had a bit of a yo-yo um, when it comes to her international allegiances. But like, could she go straight into the team? I know she's uncapped, but like she's involved in that Harlequin setup, and, and she's got a little bit of experience as well. So do you put her straight in? And maybe she's got a point to prove against Wales as well, I suppose. I think, as everyone, you have to earn your stripes. You know, you have to earn your selection. So I suppose she'd be the same as every other player up there. You know what they are fighting for their position. They're fighting for that jersey. So I think it's all based on. I think no one, you know, no one deserves, no one owns a jersey. You know, it's based on performance. So, so those the persons performing in camp, they, they put their hand up for selection, and so it kind of has to go from there. Alicia Hughes, I guess, is the is the the tried and trusted. Yeah, exactly. You know, it has she has the experience. Um, She's good game time experience, has a lot of Six Nations experience under her belt as well. You know, is used to playing Wales and control a game. So I think you might go for experience, you know, your first round. You want to you know, make it nice and controlled, that you control the tempo and you can dictate what happens. So it might go for an experience line for that. Greg McWilliams was commenting a number of different times during the Six Nations last year about how it was performances over results quite often. Like, are we still at that Stage, do you feel, Kira, like where you know you'll, you'll take a performance this weekend as opposed to a result? Or are we now at the stage where you know we kind of have to be winning games in the Six Nations, I guess, to to push on? Yeah, look, I suppose the, th- the thing there is if you get a good performance, you'll get the result too. Do you know, so you can use it as a as a double whammy. Um, but I think at this stage, you know, with that new WXP competition, you have to get the results. Um, you need to get you know three solid results in this to secure that. Um, and I suppose the 
with that you have to push performance too. So hopefully you'll get you'll get the double the double result from that. But obviously you want to see good improvement week on week. What's your, also to justify your improvements, you need you need those results. Sorry, Kira. What's your prediction for the weekend then? I I hope to see Ireland Ireland win the weekend. I think it'll be a tight game. I, I that's my prediction, but that they'll hopefully they'll get the points through. I'm aiming for an Irish win. All right, Kira, enjoy it. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers. Thank you. It's Kerry Griffin, former uh, Ireland captain, giving us a preview of the Ireland Wales game this weekend at the start of the Six Nations. Uh, right, uh, this is OTBAM. It is eight forty-one this morning. If you've just joined us, we've been talking with Vinnie Perth a little bit earlier on about the Ireland team and what team he expects to play. He, he was putting small bones straight in. But he's in your camp. I mean. uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with him. Um, I, like uh, you, players who are on form, you've got to put them in. O'Dowd is probably another one. I'd nearly start O'Dowd at left back, left wing back ahead of Doherty. Um, there is the argument there, of course, that Doherty got the ninety minutes or, or the bit of time under his belt last night. So maybe he'll be more ready to take on France. But like, but well, he's a uh, like he's a Premier League player, and O'Dowd at the moment is a Championship player, and so that's why yeah, but a Championship player in top team. form at a good Championship club as well in Cardiff. I, I just think form is important when it comes to picking the team on Monday night and that's why I'd put Smallbone into the team um, I'm fascinated to hear him talk about the fact that he's not 100% sure if Stephen Kenny's going to start Evan Ferguson like I'm in your camp I think that's it's a risk it's a risky manoeuvre by, by Kenny it's too risky he has to start him he absolutely has to start him for all sorts of reasons he's our best player that's the first reason and then secondly like if you don't pick your best players in the team to play the biggest games I, look it, let's cross that bridge when we come to it mm. but um Obviously, if you bring him off the bench with half an hour, 40, 35 minutes left, there's a massive boost in terms of the crowd. In the but we, we know we're going to get a big boost from the subs now because we actually have yeah, dif- difference makers in terms of the style of play. Uh, Stephen Fraser says, Ireland should have won the game 4-0. It's up to the management and the coach to not let the concentration dip, and it happened. Y- you do you do definitely think about um, conceding from set pieces and conceding the same goal repeatedly and think okay there's something wrong there that they need to work on the fact that it's happened in this game as opposed to in the game against France is certainly it gives them the next few days to concentrate the minds a little bit James McCullough says I'm surprised there aren't more of us who think we're going to win on Monday against France we always play well against better opposition and we've got a young and exciting team finally Coy Big uh, Adrian McGrath says Ireland's first goal came from Malumby's miscontrol forcing him to just boot it forward directly from there it was brilliant but the start was a fluke a little bit. There was definitely a little bit of a, I'm just going to hike this forward. It was the Michael Darren McCauley punch mm. um, to get the ball to uh, uh, Kevin McMenamin. Can I just say one thing as well um, on, on Cuevin Kelleher? So when you're, start, when you're at the match and you want your goalkeeper to be the most vocal, vocal person on the pitch, he's not the most vocal. Even after the, you know, after the couple of goals, you expect a, a response from the goalkeeper, the second goal especially. No, I'll watch it back to see what his exact response was, but he didn't seem that angry. If I'm a, if I'm a goalkeeper, yes, he could have done better for the second goal, but the defenders in front of him certainly could have done better. I don't care about performative anger. No, like, but not performative, uh, you know. actual, legitimate, uh, authentic but, anger. But like, you should be angry at a goal. But how do you show authentic anger? Like, scream at the couple of lads who made, that's the, who made performative the bollocks. I that's think. not performative. It is. No, it's not. Uh, well, it, you can't just like, oh, I'm, I'm showing you all that I'm angry. No, but so therefore, you, you, you feel you're policing his anger. Do you think Peter Schmeichel was, was performative in all of his anger? And not legitimate in some of his anger. At uh, in uh, in the vast majority of his anger, no, no, he was no. performative. As as oh. according to Roy Keane. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about Schmeichel because it's, a, it's no, not, no, not. I'm not, talking about Kelleher. Like Bazunu is more vocal than Kelleher. Is my point. 
And that, that was one thing that stood out to me about Kelleher's performance last night. I, I think, think that's going to come at game time. Really? I do, and I think also they can work on that kind of stuff. Like, you need to shout to your defenders. And, like, I, I guess maybe he didn't feel like shouting the odds when he has no relationship with them. And this is about building a relationship. Because we might, might need him against Greece if Bazuna gets injured. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to uh, mark him down for not slamming the ground and oh, going, no. oh, oh, oh no. I'm William Gallas. It's, it's just one little thing I noticed that I was okay. like, well, you want your goalkeeper to be more vocal. 100% yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that. I agree with that. But I don't. I don't care that he doesn't like pull his jersey off. God, oh, the gods have been against me. <laughs> that doesn't. You can't it's, be doing. It's that. not always performative, Jer. It's not always performative. Sometimes the goalkeepers are, get angry at terrible. Yeah, but they, they don't have to show it to you. Not to me, but to the defenders. Uh, look, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's a, anyway. Eight forty-five this morning. John Duggan's with us. John, come on, Shane. How are we doing? Morning. Are we all angry? <laughs> No, no. Voice <laughs> no, I'm not. I think no. I last got angry when I saw Messi put on the bisht, but I won't go there because I get in trouble. I think we're optimistic, like slightly optimistic, John. I would say both of us ahead of Monday. Vinnie Perth has certainly added to that feeling. <laughs> um, I don't know about optimism. I would say hope, hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and hope isn't a t- it's not a, a, a tactic. You got two hopes: Bob Hope and No Hope. Who was that? Was that on the show last? I week? was there. I was there. I was uh, watching it. Um, from the crow's nest and what did I take out of it Ferguson it looked comfortable mm-hmm. he has a presence he's got very good movement um, definitely looks physically ready uh, should play against France Smallbone is he the new Wes in the future and um, is very comfortable on the ball tidy and got a little bit of creativity about him spoke well as well to Stephen after I thought that I think that's always important as well and um, who's going to come in? So Bazuna will come in, Egan will come in, Cullen will come in. Cullen's important. The point you raised about the concession of goals is mad. Like Luxembourg, Azerbaijan, Armenia, now two against Latvia from outside the box. That strikes me as something that isn't a random pattern, that we need to screen that up. Who's going to play right wing back against the French? Coleman, who is going to be fit, or Doherty? Is Kylian Mbappe going to skin us alive? Um, look, the crowd... There's only 41,000 officially registered. There was a bad night in Dublin. Um, but we do need the crowd to be a 12th man on Monday because we do need to make the French feel uncomfortable and the Dutch feel uncomfortable when they come to Dublin because if it becomes a, it becomes a technical game and I know we're trying to play the right way, um, I think that'll just play into their hands a bit. We need to get under their skin. So there's a bit of a mixture between like not playing K-Ban football and playing technically good football, but also getting under the skin of the of the French on Monday. They're the kind of the few things I took out of it. Mikey Johnston, uh, like Jinky Johnston. Um, maybe we need to go back to the granny rule and see who else is out there, you know, if he's making such an impact after half an hour against uh, Latvia last night. The Azerbaijan goal was outside the box as well. Was it? I'd forgotten it was that one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cullen is on the field. Malumi's in the field for for that one. Uh, Cullen is on the field for the Luxembourg one. So he's not going to be a one man. He's not the savior for that. Yeah, and that just strikes me as a little bit of, like uh, back to the point I've been talking about on the show for six months to a year. We need to beat the weaker teams. You can't do anything. You can't be plucky against the French and lose one 0 unless you're beating Greece twice in this campaign. And that's where this uh, whole like thing Greece will aren't go. a weaker team, though. Like just for we should we should put that on that. Like our expectation should not be that we're automatically going to. So I agree with you about Gibraltar and Latvia and uh, Estonia and those teams. But like, Greece are going to look at us and go, "We should be beating them." But in this group, they're the weaker team compared to the two others. So we have to be beating Greece. Yeah, look, I think that the results against Greece will dictate whether yeah. or not we finish third or fourth. It'll also dictate the f- mood music around Kenny, I think, Stephen Kenny. Yeah. Their Greece results. 
Now, hot June doesn't help, but they're the games. They're the two games. Like, if we lose with honour to the French and the Dutch, can we, and we try to find our way through the playoffs and, and to get into this Euros and the meandering way, then you can say, fair enough, we just got a bad run rubber the draw and our, we can definitely see progress in the team. I think what we're trying to see is progress. And last night, like the Armenia game, I know this was a friendly last night, but that was a 3-2 as well. It's just that um, switching off, the sloppiness. Can we, can we find a way of getting rid of that? <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Uh, and then uh, then get in on the front foot in terms of the new players we're bringing in. What's losing with honour to those teams? Like, Is progress not picking up some points like in those four games against the Dutch and the French? Like, Do you want four points maybe from the a win and a draw and two defeats? In those games? Well, that'd I'd be amazing. Her, I'd take your arm off for that, yeah, of course. I'd, but. I'd take two points at this stage. Two home yeah. points would be... Uh, two home points and two defeats is what you would expect from Tier 1 nations against us who are technically a Tier 3 nation. Mm. So I was just going through Stephen Kenny's record. Played 31 games, won 9, drawn 10, lost 12. Four competitive wins and 21 competitive matches. I think in the past, when we played the French, even in the 70s, 77, 81, when we beat them here in Dublin, when we weren't qualifying for anything, the Dutch in 2000 in Amsterdam, the Dutch here, we want to be going to through 15 to 20 minute spells when they're really on the rack. Even if we lose, you know, there's got to be a sense of... Frustrate them. Uh, like, Spain came here now, we had a much better team in the late 80s and they were terrified. That's the key point though, isn't it? That those all those teams who you're talking about, they had Brady or Giles yes. or McGrath or Roy Keane, and this team does not have one of those players. Evan Ferguson might become one of those players, but he's not yet. And so I, I don't expect us to have France under the cost for 15 minutes, really. I expect us to create a chance or two, and if it falls to the right person and uh, we don't kick it wide... <laughs> So what are we hoping for then? Like a Germany-Shane Long night when they bombard us and we get lucky and we get a breakaway goal? I think that's our best hope, yeah. I, absolutely. I, I, I don't see us having the quality against this French side in particular to dominate possession for any any stretch of the game. Not a, not a 10, 15-minute period because they can just step bodies into midfield. They can physically brutalise us if they decide to. You know, Are we now looking then at a bleak landscape for the next two to three to four to no, five I, years? I, I, no, I think that the the age profile of the team last night and twenty three and a half. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I think that like you can you can see a relationship developing between Obafemi and uh, Ferguson. You can see Chidozik Benny having a really important role to play in the team. I think uh, Mikey Johnson was a revelation in the fifteen minutes. Now I don't know if he ever does that again for us, but certainly we will always have that. Like oh, just bring him off the bench as a. The game changer. Well, he's almost like an upgrade on McLean in a way, and maybe different types of players. But I just one strikes me back to the granny rule. Like Houghton's, the Aldridge's came from this this kind of system. You know, are, are there others out there that might be interested in in playing? Um, you making a call out on there now? Yeah, like come on, uh, let's be having you. You know, you, you want to just check out your family tree, folks. If you're playing in the UK, if you're playing like in in, in good teams in the Championship or in Scotland or even it's got in Argentina. League. That's the place uh, where we yeah. need to be scouting. Yeah, yeah. Where there's actually a town called Duggan. Um, just <laughs> town outside, called Duggan. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just outside Buenos Aires. And a town called Murphy as well, Nathan Murphy. Come here. Uh, is there anything else going on? Uh, no, that, that's it. Uh, um, yeah, that, that, that was just kind of my thought uh, over what was happening last night. Um, but yeah, the French coming. I think a lot of this will be down to the French and the Dutch's attitudes. There is War Cup hangover potential. Definitely. Uh, so I think that that is certain, certainly something. It, and also, like last night, the crowd like the crowd will, will be definitely up for this on Monday, and that'll be a big thing. But we have to turn, I think, Lansdowne Road into a bit of a fortress. Yeah. Mm. Can I just, before we... John, thanks very much. More from John, of course, on Saturday afternoon. Before we get into the Gaelic football, uh, Warren Gatlin... Warren Gatland has picked his Lions team 
<laughs> this is Warren Gatlin, the current Welsh coach, and he's doing it in the Telegraph where he's a columnist. He's picked the Lions team he would pick. Who do you think is the, the number 10 on this team? Mm. Who do you think is the captain of the Lions? When it doesn't matter, when it's just written for a newspaper in England, when this does not matter at all, is it, is it Owen Farrell? Is it, is it Finn Russell? Who was the third out half that they even brought on that tour? I can't even remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, it's Johnny Sexton. He's gone for Johnny Sexton at number 10. Wow. Warren Gatlin picks Johnny... This seems a little bit late, Warren. It seems like you had the opportunity to do this one time before. But you can't make it up. What's he doing here? What's his ulterior motive? You can't fix it. My own team is not up to pace yet, so I would pick from other nations. So it's uh, it's the Lions without the Welsh players. No Welsh players in my Lions 15. I don't know if this is, is this like motivation for them. Is this Antonio Conte? Is this the Welsh version of Antonio Conte? Like where none of my players are good enough to play in the Lions? Or is it like, will will they all go, fair enough, actually, you're right. We were absolutely abysmal. I don't know. But anyway, Johnny Sexton is the number 10 and the captain of the Lions. (laughs) So maybe he'll stick around for two more years. It doesn't make sense, does it? What is it, 10 Irish players picked out of the 15? I mean, I didn't. two-thirds Irish. Yeah. Not bad. Right, 8.54. Don't miss all the action in Rugby Daily today in your OTB podcast network, bringing you everything you need to know about rugby. It's all in partnership with Deliveroo. Deliveroo has some great bundles and deals, so open the app, make your choice, and watch your rider come to you. Deliveroo, food, we get it. Now, David Brady, good morning to you. How are you? Jar, how's things, buddy? Shane? Morning, David. Top well, of the morning. Welcome back. I never left, as the man says. Never left, but uh, good to be good to be back chatting again. And uh, as the man said, loving it, loving it. I have to say, the uh, it's great to be back uh, immersed in a different type of football as well. Yeah, one that you don't get. Um, you're not at the the cold phase as such. Have you decompressed as you've returned to civilian life? <laughs> Look, uh, I have to say, I, I very, very, very much enjoyed my. Uh, year managing last year with uh, Rat Oath. Um Absolutely fantastic bunch of players. Really, really got a lot out of it. And again, it was uh, fun. Fun, enjoyed it, and uh, a little bit of success thrown in. But that's, you know, that's the, the it was something that I wanted to do. And unfortunately, um, I couldn't continue from a, from a work perspective. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, it's nice to be back and watching five and six games every weekend now from a, a National League perspective and not being gone four nights a week and your son asking where's where's daddy where is he gone to football when I'm only gone to the toilet but um, <laughs> yeah that's that's the way it was ending up to be honest with you so yeah yeah it's good it's good but uh, I miss it I miss it terribly to be honest with you okay um can we can we talk about this for a little bit because I, I I don't think everybody fully appreciates the level of commitment that it takes to manage a club team who are aspiring to be successful at the the level that you guys were last year and the, the knock-on impact that it has, and look, we're going to talk about the Donegal situation a little bit later on with Amy McGee, but like, you know, this is people's hobby that has taken up so much of their lives. So how do you, uh, like, uh, do you see yourself going back to that at some point? Have you had your taste now and, and that's it? You're, you're, you've, you've sated that hunger? Or what, what's the own kind of tension that you have in your own head about what happens next? Honestly, it's, it's probably bloody made it worse, the hunger. Um, <laughs> so it has. And... Uh, and it's not just a team that's aspiring to be maybe winning a county championship. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's any manager, any person that I see that is involved with a club team, whether it's a selector, coach or manager, 
I take my hat off to them because it's an unbelievable effort. It's an unbelievable effort because nobody is just doing it half hours. It's not tokenistic. It's absolutely all in. And uh, yeah, I knew exa- I knew exactly what it was going to be like. Um, the commitment that's needed from a manager's perspective, from a, from a life perspective, um, and it's it 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 was it superseded that, and uh, it's a phenomenal amount of time. Like in Rathawat, we were four nights a week. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Every single week. That's just on the pitch. Um, but it, it's it's the time off it, and it's it's you can't just be a manager on the pitch. You have to you know off the pitch and everything else. It's 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 a phenomenal amount of time. You come home from training, and your phone then is your focus because then you're organising, you're touching base, you know. And it's 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 and if you have that collective buy-in from a club and from the players, um, from the panel, like we had a panel of of thirty six. Um, you, you, you have to respect each and every individual that that puts their their shoulder to the wheel in, in club football, and and let me tell you, Jar, um, there's it's 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 not for the it's not for the so-called money that 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 people are doing it. It's um it's really really for me. I got so much out of it. We could have lost the county final, we didn't, and uh, we had a, we had a nice run in Leinster, and uh, I, I I I want more of it, but I just couldn't. I couldn't commit. Like I'm, 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 I'm joining from Vienna today from a from a work perspective. But that's that's another story. But um, I loved it, absolutely, and it's whetted my appetite. It's not for the faint-hearted either, David. Like we saw the emotion with, from you with some of the interviews after matches, and even action on the sidelines during games as well, which is brilliant to see because you live and breathe every moment. But it's similar. I remember chatting to Davy Burke, the the Roscommon manager, about this, and he said that you know after matches on a Sunday, he'd come home absolutely exhausted. Uh, having not played himself, just living and breathing every moment on the sidelines, was that something for yourself as well? Like, do, do, you, do you come home from games just completely beaten? Um, you do, but it's 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 not that that sideline situation. It's the build up to it. It's the week before, and you know, again, as the games goes on and it gets it gets more important, um, it does it does kind of say to yourself, God, oh, I need to breathe out. But then you're again, you're back, you're back at work on Monday morning, like Davy. I've done a phenomenal job um, in Roscommon, and I remember talking to Davy, and I, I, I was, and I committed to going with Davy as part of his his ticket for Kildare, and he had a young child, and I'm going, Jesus, Davy, you're mad altogether, and you know, very, you're young baby, it was only like weeks, I think, couple of three or four months, but um, it's it's that commitment, but you have to refocus, reset. Um, but it's a, it's about a game of balance. And I think people think about these, you know, uh, backroom teams in, in intercounty, especially, but you need it. You need it because there's so much to do. There's, it's a, it's a, it's 24 seven and you have to allow guys take up three or four hours of that 24 hours. I did not know that you had, uh, um, committed to being part of, of Davies backroom team in Kildare. How, how close do you think you guys got to, to getting the gig? It's not, a, you know, your backroom is very important uh, on what they bring and the experience to bring. Um, Davey was was well there, well there. Very, very disappointed that he didn't get it. Um, but again, you say to yourself, if I was, as I said to Davey, I said, look, if we were in, this, in, in that interview panel, um, we'd have nearly given it to Glenn, Glenn and the guys, to be honest. And uh, you couldn't nearly but, you couldn't nearly but. Uh, and again, it's 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 a hard ask. It's a hard ask. And again, yeah, you go in with great plans, great expectations, and uh, you you have a, you have a focus on what you want to deliver. And sometimes that's that's that that doesn't always uh, turn out to be that way. But um, yeah, 
it's it's uh, Davy Davy will um, at some stage uh, manage Kadir, but he'll uh, he'll take no questions on that over these over the next year or two because he's. Um, fully immersed in Roscommon and has done extremely well. Yeah, well, extremely that's, well. That's the thing. I'm sure a lot of people in Kildare are looking over the, the, the hedge and going, he seems to be like a kind of Jose Mourinho style, like effervescent character who comes and injects something immediately in and they're like, maybe we could have done with a little bit of that in our lives. And look, at, it'll, it'll happen for Kildare. So, well, it'll happen for Kildare and, and, you know, the timings mightn't be right. But um, then the guys still have a... a, a a job to do, and they'll they'll focus for the for the championships or the will in the last game of the league. But um, there's and again with the league, and I see people criticising it, and you know it's n- nothing perfect. But um, for me, it's been a very very entertaining league, um, a very knowledgeable league. The way you know now you only have a short run in from a, from a league to championship. You don't have that lovely six weeks of maybe at times it was eight weeks of a window before your next championship game. Um, it's just constant and there's going to be no Houdini's pulled out of the hat. Um, a lot of things, what teams are working on, they're introducing into the National League and I can't see things being turned on their head. And, and, and you know, there'll be nuances and changes, but it won't won't change dramatically. I, I do feel like there's a, a period of the next three to five years maybe where we don't fully understand exactly how the calendar is going to work in favour or against some teams. Tommy was on with us yesterday and he was saying on the football pod they've been talking about the fact that I think, I, I, I might get this wrong now, but Armagh might have to win 13 games to get to the All-Ireland final, whereas um, one of the other teams might only have to win seven or eight to get them. And that's, no, that doesn't feel like it's totally fair. Um, it's, yeah, that's that balance. And again... You know, from a male perspective, again, there's 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 great talk and and hope, but again, you're eleven or twelve games away from their scenario and situation to get to a to win in All Ireland. So it's 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 or it, or they get beaten in the first round of Connacht, they lick their wounds for the six weeks that they might have off before the start of the round robin, and they come out all guns blazing with an entirely you know preseason block a couple of weeks of challenge matches and then you, you have your fu- final team settled and ready to go and rested and no suspensions and none of the controversies that are like there's a bit of conflagration in the Connacht final or the uh, Ulster final unlikely in, in either Munster or, or Leinster like there is, there is a world in which actually being knocked out early is going to end up being the best thing for some team Oh I look at on the 9th of April I wouldn't take it as a my own man but uh, on the 10th I'd nearly take it um, because you have that ability, and again, there's there's uh, from a from a, tr- a load perspective, I do know that the the Mayo training um, is massively high. Their intensity is, is 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 right up there because it's 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 so consistent. The games are coming, you know, nearly week in week out. You play your last game this weekend, then you're looking at a national league final, and then you're looking at Roscommon. So it's it's there's no time to. You know, say, oh, we need to put an extra load or high intensity, or you know, it's 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 been done now, uh, and it's 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 bearing it's bearing rewards from my own perspective. But um, yeah, you would go that six weeks would be lovely just to really get certain players back into the groove. And again, you know, as, as all successful teams, the Dublins, the Kilkennys of this world, have always went to their A versus Bs were more important to them or more vital to them in their in their journeys than uh, the actual championship games themselves. Does the league take on more significance now, David? Listening to Kevin McStay after the uh, win over Donegal from Mayo last week, he was saying they're delighted to be back in the league final because of how close it is to the championship. Like I'm sure the the hype train, as it always is in Mayo, is is, is quite strong. But in particular, how given how well they're playing, it's uh, it's really taken off from the station at the moment. 
Uh, look, it's it's it's, it's I, I, the one thing I find now uh, this year with Kevin and the team is it's not about hype. And I, I love I love Kevin's attitude after games, talking just as you know. There's no oh the process and we did this and everyone is different. Kevin is Kevin is a a very unique individual, but I love his um, his openness. And it's about they're setting out a plan, they're setting out a stall, but they're enjoying it. And and uh, again, it's 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 about integrating a lot of young players there that I th- I think you know will be challenged a lot more than they have been in the league during championship. Um, but it it is that it is the fluidity. And ask any player. The one thing they don't mind doing, the one thing they don't mind doing is playing games. They're only seventy minutes. It's a focus at the end of the week, um, and it's 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 look at it, it's a lot more enjoyable when you're winning, and that's that's what Mayo have done throughout this league, and uh, from that you get positivity and confidence, and they are they are at the moment the best team playing the best football in the country. Um, Kevin seems different as the manager than I expected him to be. Like, there's no guardedness. There's no, there's no, there's no punditry. There's no analysis of what's going on. There's just a, these are my truths. I'm answering your questions and we're happy. Like, and we're happy to be this open. And it's a very different approach to everybody else who's like desperately trying to keep secrets or not, not be themselves. And in a way, and I hate to bring everything back and rugby at the moment, but like, there's a bang of Andy Farrell off it. There's a bang of being yourself off it, and that's a, as a manager you have to decide: am I going to be the stereotypical, or am I going to, you know, rein myself in? And yeah, you know, you have to be measured, and yet you don't want to be given the, the the game away. But you just be yourself. Be yourself. Now everyone is different. Everyone is different. I'm different from you. Shane is different from me. So you have that personality. And, you know, you have that kind of, there's a, not, there wouldn't be a naivety with Kevin because he has been there and he's, he's, he's won Connacht championships. He's been with Roscommon. He's won an All-Ireland club. But sometimes you kind of go, just be yourself. That's all you ever, that's all you ever ask. And managers are different. People are different. Personalities are different. But there is that kind of, just be open. And I think a lot of it is the responsibility, like Andy Farr, like the Kevin McSays and like the Jim Gavins of this world that is, you put the responsibility and the onus and the ownership on the players and their time to deliver and their time to talk and to, to um, present themselves is when the ball is thrown in and when the game is on. And I think that's, it's, it's, it's nearly refreshing, but we, it shouldn't be, it's refreshing for someone just to be natural and, you know, talk it as it is. Now, look at when, if, if, if there's a defeat or there's a, there's a, a sticky situation, which there will be over the next, 12, 24, 36 months in Kevin's reign, um, he might, you know, he might talk a little bit of different, but just, it's, I have to say from the Mayo supporters' perspective, um, they're, they're really, they're really um, loving what Kevin is bringing and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's shown on the pitch. They obviously lost two key members of the defensive setup over the winter and we weren't sure if it was going to happen and it did happen, but they haven't really batted an eyelid. Like, obviously, maybe later on in the year they'll be like oh that's an Oshie Mullen sized hole or that's a Lee Keegan sized hole and we'll see what happens but how have they made up for that is it are there individuals who are stepping up or is there a, a change in defensive structure that is allowing them to, to deal with that and again is it too early for me to be saying that actually they're okay um, they will be tested they're, they're, they're from a, a, a young you know when you have the likes of Jack Coyne or Sam Callahan who come in the last day I think for it was nearly Sam's you know second second uh, league appearance as such David McBrien 
you know, these are young, young guys. Uh, you had Parag Ahura coming on the last year, which was a good sign. I think um, what we all kind of introduced this year, um, and again, not that we've we've struggled, but again, when you're losing the Lees and you're losing the Ushings, um, you're going, where do we where do we circumvent that? But how do we make it to our advantage? And I think they really have embedded uh, Connor Loftus as a centre-back. But not as a centre back where we we would know it from his what you might what you call a plus one. He really is. He, he's dropping. He's covering. He's allowing that leverage for others to come back. And you know your defensive system is based on the guys that's willing to put their shoulder to the wheel. And I think for me, and he was missing last year through injury, and he's probably one of the unsung heroes in the Mayo setup. But he is absolutely vital. I don't think I've seen a midfielder or a, a player with his work ethic. Probably Paul Flynn reminds me a little bit is is um like it, it, it's 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 he is absolutely absolutely vital and it's Jordan Flynn. Jordan is absolutely key to this team. Um the work that he does and again the link that he goes back and lets Connor sit as a plus one um numerous times uh it is it is vital and that's what Mayo have kind of introduced and again they've introduced something that is, you know, a new concept to not necessarily that, but their, their, their direct ball as well. And that's again, a fingerprint to Donny Buckley. Um, Donny Buckley just doesn't do, um, the same thing year in, year out. Um, he introduces certain type of styles and conditions and, and uh, setups to, to all the teams he's worked with. He goes away, Donny goes away at winter time and comes back with a whole new, um, you know, you know, view on how football should be should be played and how you actually counteract what was what was done the previous year from a successful team. He goes to America and uh, he's I can see his fingerprints all over this team. But it probably for me they're very very well set up and they're 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 kind of they're they're not rushing it. They're like they're they're, they're shots from play. They're 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 kind of um, productivity level is 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 top class and they're not panicking. They're keeping a great structure to their game. Um, the runners are really, really coming, you know, from deep, but they're allowing that ball go in, and you have that focus on Aiden O'Shea. That's the that you know, Aiden is there, and I see people this this week on Twitter saying, "Oh, look at what the work he's doing." Aiden O'Shea was never shy of work. He was never lazy. It was probably the 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 position for him. The position for him was always really full forward. That was always the focus. Like uh, how he how he was picked, uh, you know, from a centre back position, um, it didn't serve that man any justice at all. Um, uh, we, we'll obviously have uh, plenty of time to analyse exactly the role of O'Shea and, and how well he's fitted into that full forward role. And it's not a revolution, but obviously we've seen it before. But it's working out, and there's a confidence about the team. And maybe we'll we'll delve into that in the coming weeks. So I do want to ask you before we wrap up about Galway. Um, on Saturday, Joyce used nine players in the team that won the under-20 All-Ireland three years ago. They were missing Comer, McDade, Cook, Jacqueline, Ian Burke, and it was Shane Walsh's first start back. They're second in the league, and they have the experience and the heartbreak of last year to to uh, propel them forward. A little bit under the radar for a team who were like toe-to-toe with a Kerry team who were kind of shooing in for the next dynasty. Uh, there's nobody under any illusion, especially here in the, in, in Mayo, that that Galway are now a massive dominant force in GEA. And again, you kind of you did ask the question after the All Ireland final: oh, Is that them gone? You know, is that them? Is it a setback or a step forward? And as you said there, um, it's for me, it's it's it was two steps forward. 
Um, they've used a lot of that under-21 team, that younger team that, that, that Porik, um was involved in. And, and uh, he's now molding them into senior players and their big players are only coming back. They're, you know, they're, again, we've always talked about, oh, so you're missing Killian and oh, you're not the same. And look at um, Comer is, is a massive link to them, a massive cog. But the, the, Galway will be a serious, serious force to be reckoned with. And again, your Connacht Championship, like, like, like I suppose Ulster to a degree, but your Connacht Championship has been the most competitive championship for the last decade in, in, in GA. And uh, Galway will be, they'll be at the top table in some way, shape or form this year. It could end up now that you have a Galway Mayo um, National League final um, on Sunday week, mm-hmm. which which was never, which, you know, you kind of go, how does a team come back from the All-Ireland? Do they grow? Do they gain, you know, confidence? Do they learn from the lessons? But Galway have certainly, certainly done that. And it's credit to, to Porrick Joyce and and uh, and his team there. But it's um, it's definitely, they definitely are going to be at the top table in some way, shape or form. DB, good but, to have you back. Thanks a million. Pleasure to talk to you, buddy. See you, Shane. Cheers, David. So, David Brady giving us some thoughts on the situation there. And uh, very interesting insight into just how much work it takes to be a club manager at this stage as well. I mean, we all know that, but at the same time, there are hundreds of club teams around the country in hurling and hundreds of club teams in football around the country who are doing that week in, week out. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. It is a lot, you know. You'd be wrecked looking at David during matches, wouldn't you? Like, never mind the players. He was an active participant. <laughs> More than just an active participant. The Galway thing's interesting. Like, you look back at that All-Ireland semi-final win against Derry now, who came through a tough Ulster Championship and... That Galway win in the semi-final stands out even more so now, given what Derry have done since. So, yeah, I think as, as David says, Galway are Galway are rightly contenders, and I'm not just saying that because I've Galway blood. Promise. We didn't get into the Mead situation there with um, with DB, but we will. We will at some point. Um, we have a, a couple of weeks left of the um, of a week left of the league, and we also have plenty of time to build up to the Leinster Football Championship. So, um, getting a bit of pushback from Mead fans for what we were talking about on the. Show yesterday, ah, calm down. They've only been beaten by two teams who are Ireland contenders, but they weren't in the games. Yeah, they weren't in that Derry game at all. They couldn't lay a glove on them. Beaten out the gate, I think. And it was probably. like, oh, we should have, we should have won the game against Limerick. You should have won the game against Limerick, who the week after got rid of their manager. I'm like, what? Mm. Do you know, I don't know. Anyway, OTBAM with Gillette Labs for the ultimate shave or your money back neon night edition available now. It's fifteen minutes past nine. Some highlights on the OTB podcast network today: Football Daily, your daily football fix with Phil Egan. Obviously, loads of Ireland uh, um, interviews and uh, reaction coming through. And that Carol Kane was on last night talking about Paddy Carr and his very short-lived stint as the manager of Donegal and Wednesday Night Rugby with Keith Wood on last night. You can follow off the ball across all our social channels and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network. During the break, you're going to hear a clip from the latest episode of The Football Pod where Paddy James and Tommy talked about Louth's form so far this year. It has been spectacular. The Football Pod is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Check out the hashtag, the toughest, for more. Up next, Eamon McGee on Donegal. You're listening to OTB AM. Right, so the news broke yesterday that uh, Donegal were uh, not on the hunt for a new manager because they've got an interim solution in place. But Paddy Carr had stepped away following a meeting with the senior players. It comes on the back of a a tumultuous six months, really, and and maybe a little bit longer for Donegal. I'm delighted to say Eamon McGee is with us to talk to us a little bit about what's going on at the moment. Um, Eamon, a very thoughtful uh, column today from Tommy Martin in The Examiner where he's talking about the fact that um, the business of Donegal football is now um, worth over a million a year in turnover 
and that you have people who are managing that as their hobby and that for all the, the best will in the world that um, the business of running an intercounty team has outgrown the the amateur ethos and I have a lot of sympathy for that because this seems like a situation which is very very layered and uh, difficult to kind of uh, get to the very bottom of and at the same time the Donegal Senior Intercounty team are wondering who is actually in charge here yeah, exactly. I think the intercounty thing has been a victim of his own success. It's grown and grown, um, and it's just too big a monster for you know someone that's doing a job, a full time job, and then try, trying to run like most county boards. You know, if you're if you're in that top table, are going to be up around the, or up around the million mark, and 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 that's just ridiculous that we we have people trying to do that in their spare time run run that monster in their spare time um but in saying that it's it's no solace to the to the Donegal footballers it's no solace to Paddy Carr to find himself put in a situation put in a situation like that uh, and I think it's just uh, I think the sentiment amongst Donegal and further field is that there's a lot of sympathy for Paddy um and, and and the way and the situation was handled, the way his appointment was handled, and the fact that he he he, f- he found himself in that in that job and probably maybe a wee bit over his head now, um, and 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 that's a reflection of uh, the appointment process. Yeah, the appointment process. Uh, Jimmy Guinness was talking about it on the Examiner podcast last week, and um, you know he was disappointed that his name was made public in the end because he felt that it reflected on an unwillingness on his part to get involved, even though he actually had expressly said that he was willing to get involved. So, whoever is looking at the process needs to look at the entire process and how everything was handled because it feels like a lot of people who were interested ended up being alienated by the actual process itself. And, and 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 for me, look, looking on it, whoever's in charge of that process, or whoever took managed the process, for me, their position is is pretty much untenable. Uh, going going by what's happened in in this last uh, two three days, um, and for for for, for, for to put Caddy, Paddy Carr in a situation like that, there um, is and to put any individual, any human in a in a situation like that, there is is just. It's ridiculous, and for, for anybody that managed that process, they, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be that near it at all. And it's it's just been a real roller coaster in terms of for this for this last six seven months. Um, and and it's nothing new for for Donegal. You know, we we went in the noughties and we were making national headlines. <laughs> at least there was a bit of crack with the headlines we were making in terms of the the binges we would have went on, um, and the Donegal players and. It just seems to go in the in these cycles. From we won ninety two, there was a hullabaloo with with Martin McHugh, and that whole appointment process set us back. We went into the noughties with a, with a good team, loads of potential. The players just didn't have the mindset. The county board were the same, and I I, I think the McGinnis thing covered up a lot of cracks. You know, I, I think he compensated for for a lot and Roy Geller followed after him and obviously Boner now but it was always going to revert to revert to this it feels like there's been no legacy from the McGuinness era no sense of like oh this is what a high performance environment looks like it was more that it kind of flared up and then dissipated slowly and and, and that's the tragic thing about this is the really really frustrating thing why you know so many of the of that 
2012 team are so annoyed that, that there is no legacy that, that 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 was part of the deal that we were to go on you know really blasted really go at it and and leave leave that legacy for some young fella to go on then and just keep keep the thing going and we we never built on it uh, the county board have now left us in a situation where we're starting we we've thrown the academy away um you know, and all and all that promise that that was going to show, and you know the potential that it showed. We're we're now in a situation where, you know, we're going into Division Two. We've got rid of our manager, and you know it it just doesn't doesn't look good. And the frustrating thing about it is that all the promise from the last decade is um, we've just got to start again. Was the writing on the wall, Eamon, when when you see Declan Boner step down on what the twentieth of July, it takes until October twenty fourth for. For Paddy Carr to be put in place alongside Edna Rourke. Like, I guess it took that long because they wanted to find the right person, but was it concerning for you as an ex Donegal player and as a Donegal man to see a process take that long and to see a lack of minute names maybe going forward? I know Rory Cavanaugh was one that was uh, quite heavily linked with the role, but it shouldn't take that long to appoint a manager. No, it, 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 it shouldn't. And I think the, the appointment process not only should it have been started. Before you know, there should have been moves made and you know talks made before before we we all knew this was Declan's last year in terms of in terms of last year. Moves should have been made, and we should have been instead of reacting. You know, we should have been proactive and approaching the right men, putting things in place. And you know, with with the Rory Cavanagh and you know Carol Lacey with with Jim coming on as an advis- advisory, there's a lot of good vibes coming from that and, and that fell through and you know probably wasn't all on the county board with that there now there, there's stuff happened in terms of the county final and, and, and different stuff but it, it should have been all wrapped up long long before it and there's there's also an argument out there you know just to bash the county board that the, the pool is shallow and then and, and it's getting shallower in the county management because of the commitment it's just, it's goes to the same thing with when we're talking about county board officials and county boards where the, it's just become so big a monster then their county management pool is getting shallower and shallower be, because of that same reason it's just so so hard to to commit it it's almost impossible to like you, you need to either be very very young and have no commitments or you need to be at the end of your career and essentially retired and able to uh, dedicate your time to it and neither of those is perfect uh, scenario a you don't have a lot of experience you don't really know how to manage people of similar age to you and then also uh, scenario b a lot of people who aren't fully in touch with the modern trends of the game so it's it's incredibly difficult to find the right characters it's 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 so hard, and and what's going to come now uh, is that more and more county boards they're going to go full time. It, it has to come because as we talked about the finances, the the whole the whole monsters become inter county management are going to follow secondly, and then the players are going to start looking around and saying like, what what's the story here? Um, why is everybody else getting a slice of the pie and and we're not? And you know that that that's the conversation we're going to have to start having because that's the road we're on, and we we, we need to be aware of that and we need to kind of f- face that head on. Or are we happy to keep to keep on this road? Yeah, and like there's a really there's there's loads of different ways around that where you could have a director of football in a county, you could have an academy manager in a county. They could be full time, and part of their responsibilities could be in helping to prepare the senior intercounty team, whether or not that's as a manager or a selector. Like it's it's possible for uh, for us to put our brains together and come up with a structure that is sustainable. But 
as soon as you start mentioning payments uh, over the counter legally, everybody goes up in arms and is like, "No, you can't do that." Uh, no, and, and and I know that I, I've argued this point. You know, we, we've have to just face this head on that that there's been payment in the intercounty game, big payment in the club game, and let's just regulate it. Um, and be be mature enough to reach. This is where we've gotten our organisation. Whether we we let it happen and, and we stood by and let it happen, or or whatever. But it, the fact is, we're here. Uh, let's let's just f- face up to it. But the the danger is, is 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 the players like how long can the players put in the commitment and then say right everybody else is getting paid here. Why why do we why do we not get get paid here? And it's just it's it's dangerous territory for me because the amateur ethos is. So is so is so important to the for me anyway in the J the amateur this is important. What do you think the atmosphere is like amongst the current players at the moment? I don't know if you've been speaking to any of them, and I'm not asking you to betray any confidences if you have. But what what must so, if I'm right? They met with Paddy Carr and expressed a desire for him to leave. That certainly seemed to be the the. Um, if you read the statement, that seemed to be the sequence of events. So once that happens, the writing's on the wall. And fair play to him for not sticking it out because loads of managers have dug their heels in and said, no, I was appointed, this is my job. He obviously knew that the right thing to do at that stage was to go. And I think um, the sympathy that you've expressed for him is, is, is widespread across the GA community. Um, but those players now, obviously, there's a rod for their back from their own people who are unhappy with it. They've made themselves a lightning rod for criticism. What's their sense of of what the future holds in the short term? And and I think they obviously, with their smart enough lads, they're about there. They would have knew that this is a big, big decision to make to get rid of a manager. Um, you know, halfway through the season, a few weeks out from championship, they knew what was going to come, and and it will come. There's there's no point of saying otherwise that the their performances wouldn't have been probably up to scratch. So a lot of p- people are going to like. Late on, on the on the players on the players' head, and um, more than the managers management's head. So, um, they would have been aware of it. And the the only thing I can gauge, you know, I, I know a few of them personally. Like I haven't chatted; they've just left them be for this last few days. And the only thing is just to just to get trained hard, to to get to get down at it, and um, just to keep. It's imp- it's important because there's a lot of young people in, in that Donegal dress. It's important that we talked about legacy. It's important that you know the. The idea of playing for Donegal is still really, really sought after, and you know that is a really important. When you go to put on that jersey, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing, and we, we, we need to keep keep that ideal and keep that idea, and that's what the the older lads in the county squad will be be looking towards. It's funny, I mean, because I was at the Monaghan Donegal game in Clonus, and, and although Donegal were were per performance wise in the second half, you're still looking at their team on paper: Killen McGonagall, Oshin Gallen, Michael Langan, all these young players. Who are brilliant, and, and and there are more coming through, as you say. So it's it's a great job for somebody to have on paper. Like this is a really exciting time for Donegal football. You'd imagine. What do you expect to happen at this stage? We know it's Aidan O'Rourke and Paddy Bradley in situ for for the game against Roscommon this weekend. But like, would you expect a change before Championship? Would you expect Aidan O'Rourke? I, I, I don't. I don't expect a change. Okay. I think it'll be O'Rourke and, and and Bradley. Should they be happy enough to to keep? Keep at it now, and I agree totally with you, Shane. Now I think this talk about transition, just accepting that Donegal will go down, um, and they'll drop down a few levels and maybe come back in a, in a few years, and and I think that's that's just accepting uh, what 
other people are saying about Donegal. I think that it's important that the players don't accept that and keep trying to operate at that at that high level because they have the ability, as he says, the when you go through their team on paper, that there's a there's a lot of players on there that would make lots of county county teams around the country. Because even after the Kerry game, I remember like just the the joy after the first league game. You're thinking, well, this was not expected. Beating the All Ireland champions, and even Paddy Carr had a a smile the length of Donegal. He was so so happy after that match, and the performances were brilliant. So, like you'd wonder what happened thereafter. Because then, of course, they drew with Galway as well. Like, and they've been so close in other games. You know, so you'd wonder they, what they have. They so probably long. should have beat Galway and the, yeah. the Kerry. I remember, you know, I was doing a bit of work up in the media box. I seen Paddy and I seen the joy, and it just gave me such a lift to see to see that because it had been such a negative few months. You know, with 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 different things, and to see us get that lift against Kerry, it was just it was just a nice wee buzz. Um, and it, uh, f- for me, I, I I just think. It it was just too big a thing for for Paddy, and you know he 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 had probably had an idea of under county management in in his head from from maybe twenty years ago, uh, and and it just got it's radically radically different from from that there, and it was as as time went on, I'd, I'd imagine just things were let slip and things just weren't at the level that a, a lot of them probably middle group and you know a lot of the older group of that team would have played under Rory Geller would have played under Jim McGuinness probably came into Jim's final final year too and that's the standard they're used to so they're probably not going to accept any anything less now so um, I'd imagine it just kept at it and it just got to a stage where it just wasn't uh, it just <laughs> changes had to be made basically it was also a slightly weird marriage of convenience at the end in that a couple of candidates who'd gone for the job independently ended up on the same ticket and so now Aidan O'Rourke is is, um, is the manager it feels like maybe we wait for official confirmation of, of titles and stuff but um, I'd say Aidan O'Rourke knows the job of an intercounty manager pretty well has a very good sense of, of what it takes is there a possibility that the right man is going to be fully responsible and given the freedom to take this forward? I, I I don't know. I don't know. Aidan Aidan Rourke's the only man that can answer that. Is is he happy enough to take things? Paddy Bradley obviously will be will be knocking about there. And Rourke will probably only go if if Bradley if Bradley stays about. Um, so it's 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 probably so totally. I'd imagine if the county board would be delighted if if Aidan Rourke says I'll. I'll stay until the end of the year and and then go looking at it. But the work needs to be starting now in terms of who do we get in for for next year. Eventually, it's going to be Kavanaugh and Lacey. That it's just a matter of when when they get into the to the county seat and when they make that move. And I'd imagine going by what's happened in this last few months that that'll not happen unless changes are made at the top the top table now. So it's just about need to make the need to make the moves now for, for next year need to get chatting to the right people um, You were always a good man for rolling your sleeves up and getting involved in campaigns and putting your head above the parapet if you look at the job that Michael Dignan has done in Offaly are you inspired in any way to go and sit in county board meetings and uh, sit for a couple of hours three times a week mm-hmm. I think you need a distinct personality for that and unfortunately I just don't I'm not too good at holding the tongue now um, so I don't think I'd see myself as a county board a county board official. Uh, maybe it's just you need to shift the paradigm, I and mean, that's all. Maybe, maybe that's what's needed. Maybe that's what's needed, Chair. Is that you need a few boys just to let off uh, and let off an old verbal tirade or t- two now? But uh, 
for for now, I'd be I'd be happy enough to sit sit given out on off the ball. Um, I, I, not like to extend the point though that some of your generation do need to actually go and sit in those boring meetings and show up and uh, influence the outcome of them, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, the right people, and and I think there was moves made to to get people like that into the county board, and 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 I think that's. But ultimately, the route was it was seen as a coup up here in terms of you know which few people try to get uh, a chairman and you know a coaching officer and and just different different ideas, different way of looking at things and just try and change the culture. And um, you know, I believe, and that's my own personal opinion, that Carol Lacey paid paid the price for that because he would have been uh, interacting with various people and trying to make 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 that happen. All right, well, we wish you all in Donegal the very best. Uh, the Aidan O'Rourke, Paddy Bradley might be a, a ticket to get a bit of a kick over the next few weeks and certainly the Ulster Championship. And then the round robin, there's loads of actual football matches to be played where those young players will have an opportunity yeah. to decide this is our chance to be leaders. And, and hopefully um, it's uh, always darkest before the dawn, that awful cliche. Hopefully this is just the bit before the dawn that comes for Donegal football because, as you say, there's incredible talent up there. Anyway, great stuff. Great to talk to you again. Thanks a million, man. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, Shane. Chat to you there. Cheers, Thank um, you. And McGee there. We obviously are uh, attempting to uh, offer everybody on the Donegal County Board the opportunity to come on and explain exactly what their side of the story is. Um, for now, we're not hearing anything from uh, the various previous contestants to be the new manager or the uh, recently stepped aside manager, but it's obviously a story that's um, going to continue. I think the starting point for that conversation, though, is um, in Tommy Martin's piece as well. Like Donegal is obviously a, a football county, and the spend on hurling is tiny. But in other counties that are dual counties, it's a million quid on both the senior and hurling and football teams. And then there's all the other expenditure that you have on games development and games promotion, and uh, trying to get fundraising done. And it's like it's not a job for people who aren't qualified who don't have some finance or marketing or logistics or operations experience uh, it is people doing their hobby mm. who find themselves going have, have, I, have I ticked all the boxes for the procedures for this election that I you know that were written a hundred years ago yeah you can't just be someone who likes GA I, I like GA I'll throw my hat in the ring I love Donegal football you actually have to have some business acumen some experience as you say and I, that that is so important like what, what Eamon is saying you pick the right person to be on the county board because you, you want to pick the right person who's the county manager but I mean the county board is so important we don't even realise and it's getting more important year on year so. yeah yeah, oh, for sure uh, Stephen Fraser says Ireland should have well, we already did that one sorry uh, Barry Clark says I watched more rugby than soccer but it was clear to my untrained eye Smallbone is technically gifted every corner he took was spot on as was every cross and pass he made if he's good enough he's old enough well he's 23 so he's not. it's not like he's um He's a kid. Uh, Laser Snake, with the point of the morning, says, Smallbone shows a lack of ambition. Kenny should find a big bone to, to declare for us. Wow. Point big, of the morning, is it? Big bone and hardy handsome. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I said there, the better, I think. The league is great. Just look at the attendances. Uh, and Shifty Lad wants to know, could there be a Six Nations Lions to play at some stage against a Southern Nations Lions type three test game? So, joining Sanzar and... Argentina versus we just be adding French the French team and the Italians to the Lions basically we need more rugby we need more big games I mean you know I'm, I'm, I'm like stop playing club matches and just playing international rugby we'd all be happy anywho 
Uh, OTBAM with Gillette Labs got the ultimate shaver your money back Neon Night Edition available now on tomorrow's show Shabana Hearn on the WSL we've got Alan Quinlan Kevin Cabana who of course played in the Nilaw with France in 2004 alongside Roy Keane in centre mid at the fire pit and plenty more besides right now Stewie Byrne talking with Stephen Doyle at the Aviva after the match attack the day embrace its inevitable turbulence says Colm OTB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now